is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everyone? Happy Friday and welcome to uh, Victory Friday on WST. Going to be a fun one today on Winnipeg Sports Talk after another bomber beatdown in front of the best crowd in the Canadian Football League last night at IGF. What a night. Um, And what a win. 47-17. Bombers give it to the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, lots to... Lots to pick at uh, from last night's big bomber win. We're also going to talk about, speaking of blowouts, Canada opening the FIBA World Cup in Indonesia with a 30-point beatdown of world number five, France. Alex Adams is going to join us from Jakarta, Indonesia, a little bit later on in the program. And we really do have so much to talk about. Billick is going to jump on with us. Rowicki's coming up. We'll have Alex in Jakarta. Hacksaw with the NFL notebook as we are officially less than two weeks from NFL kickoff. And it's the final weekend of Gold Eyes baseball for the regular season out at Shaw Park. And we'll check in with Andrew Collier before tonight's fan appreciation game with a crowd of over 6,000 at Shaw Park tonight as well. So buckle up. Great to have you with us. And it is Friday. You know what that means? Marbles at the end of the program. Stick around and do not miss it. Um, Huge shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. If you are listening on the pod, you realize what you need to do is put a little weekly reminder at 2.45 on your phone to jump into the YouTube channel to get in on the marble race. And of course, you can subscribe on YouTube at any point and get all the video content. And everyone with us on YouTube, great to have you with us. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast as well, wherever you get your favorite pods. And uh, hit that thumbs up while you're at it. And make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. All right, Remus is coming in here. we got a lot to get to. Huge thanks to the sponsors that make our program happen every day. Princess Auto, of course, who presented last night's bomber beatdown at IG Field. Our friends at CoolBet, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports and Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Let's get it on. Shout out to everyone with us in chat to get this Friday show going. Michael Remus, how are you? And how was your night last night? Yeah, it was a great night. Great, uh, great night at the IG Field. Uh, went with my wife. We had a solid time. Uh, got off to a bit of a rocky start there with the oh. weather. Like... And I know you were driving in, like you're driving to the stadium and you hear the weather tornado alert. We're like, uh, should we be going to this game? Like, what's going on here? And I, you know, it wasn't the first tornado warning. We had at an event. We were at the Gold Eyes game for WST night. And there was also a tornado warning. So uh, thankfully missed, uh, missed the game. And uh, we got there. You know, first play, Huss. I mean, pick... Pick, pick six, you're like, oh, what's going on here? But what a night. Thursdays in August. I mean, combined 97 points in the two August home games on Thursdays. Uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome time. Sold out crowd doing the wave. I'm sure you were participating in that as well. Uh, I, what, you what know what? I was observing. I was observing the wave. But honestly, I was fully in on the wave at that point. That was the textbook time for a wave. A game that was completely over, 
an opponent that had been absolutely taken care of. Uh, and that was a victory lap. And that's what the fourth quarter was for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last night. Um, they sucked the life out of the Montreal Alouettes. And I mean, the defensive performance of the club in the second half, I believe someone was just mentioning in chat, like the Alouettes had 21 yards in the second half. And I believe 18 of them were on that final drive, which uh, by uh, the old maritime math, tell you that they had three yards of offense. Um the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense absolutely took over that football game. And it is sort of hilarious, Remo, that you're talking about a game that was 47 to 17. And then you dig in a little deeper and realize that both Montreal touchdowns came on pick sixes. Uh, an uncharacteristic first half for Zach Caleros, I will say that, with the early pick six, the second one, and the throw into double coverage to Kenny Lawler with three interceptions. Um, not phased at all, though, came out and... You know, with the exception of those three plays, the Bomber offense was humming right there with what the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense was doing. It was a uh, a, a thorough ass-kicking, <laughs> to say the least, of, uh, of Montreal, who now has scored six points offensively in eight quarters against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I know we talked a lot about how Montreal was that next team. Um, I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers showed that there's a big big gap between Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, the uh, the top tier of the Canadian Football League and the Montreal Alouettes and everybody else. Yeah, we talked about Montreal, how they had beaten the teams, you know, below them. And you've been saying all week, Montreal in a tier of their own below those top teams, BC, Winnipeg, and Toronto. And, you know, that's who they've lost to this year. And I didn't see, you know, this game, them not scoring any offensive touchdowns or scored three points on offense. I mean, at, at halftime, it was, what was it here, 20 to 17. So it was still a pretty close game, but they really just pulled away and put their foot on the gas. You know, but after that first play or the, you know, the two pick sixes, you're feeling kind of nervous. You're wondering, hey, you know, should maybe Zach, does he need another week of rest here? Because you look at that first pick. I mean, there's no one... In the area, wondering who he was throwing to. Flashbacks to Patrick Laine's own goal, almost. That's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Thinking, of. but um, they didn't end up needing to bring in Drew Brown. It was at the end when they had to run run out the clock. So when you're garbage doing, time, baby. When you're doing that, it's it's going pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what an awesome night. Uh, Brady Oliveira was getting like huge yardage, especially on that uh, on that touchdown. Just beat one guy. Uh, on the edge, and he beat the whole team. He was gone, but, you know, 6.6 average yards of carry. Excellent. I mean, everyone played their part in offense. Nick, Stem Nick Dembski receiving and rushing, and as well, Jackson Jeffcoat leading the team with five tackles. Had a forced fumble. Uh, he was awesome, and great to see him fully healthy because he is a beast. Uh, it's really hard to stop that D-line when everyone is going. Kyrie Wilson, he was up there in tackles last week again. Uh, he's second on the team with four. Winston Rose had a pick. And four tackles. Uh, everyone got in on this one, including uh, the fullback, Damian Jackson, get, getting in on it at the end. That was cool to see. You know, it was. And uh, I, listen, I thought Dietrich Nichols had a monster game in the secondary. Um, and, you know, and again, you know, some of those plays that he broke up, I mean, just the technique that he used on a few of those passes that from Cody Fajardo to uh, Alouette ride receivers that he was able to get in the way. I mean, just executed perfect timing. 
He was great, Houston. I mean, all, all in all, uh, it's pretty hard to, uh, you know, single anybody out. But I will give out three WST game balls right now. Three? Okay. Uh, the, 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 the third game ball will go to Brady Oliveira, who uh, was just an absolute bulldozer last night. I think he had, what, 119 on 18 carries was routinely getting 8, 9, 10, 11 yards on first down. And, I mean, I guess part of the – Brady can give the game ball to the offensive line because, uh, obviously, they all work in unison. I thought that the uh, the Bomber offensive line did uh, just a phenomenal job, especially with that run block. And, you know, when those big guys are able to uh, get off the mark and uh, kind of feel like they're running downhill with Brady Oliveira being so difficult to take down – was a huge part of the game, especially early on when obviously, as we mentioned, Zach had, you know, a couple miscues that ended up going the other way. Um, but I mean, the team never faltered whatsoever. And that running game was a huge, huge part of it. And the defensive side of the football, uh, I think the game ball, I mean, there's many of them that could go up, but I'm going to give it to Jackson Jeffcoat. I thought Jeffcoat was a terror all night long. Obviously jumped on that football and the bad snap to Cody Fajardo in the second half, with which all but closed the coffin on the Montreal Alouettes. And, you know, we spent a lot of time justifiably talking about Willie Jefferson and the incredible plays that he makes. Um, you know, it really is a dynamic duo up front. And uh, I thought Jackson Jeffcoat had a monster game. And the number one game ball is going to the fans last night. Um, I tweeted this last night, and I, I, I mean... Aside from the game, which, of course, if you were a Bomber fan and just about everyone at that game, I'm sure was, you know, you enjoyed a complete dismantling of an opponent. But a perfect night uh, after that near hurricane rolled through the north part of the city. But, I mean, what an absolutely electric atmosphere. Um, I said this before to a few people. You know, there's always a couple people in your lives that like to talk down about the Canadian Football League or don't get it, or people in other markets that, you know, don't really see what the CFL is all about. You put those people in that stadium last night for three hours, and I guarantee you they walk out with a very different opinion of both this Canadian Football League and attending games. It was it was 10 out of 10. Um, it was so much fun. And the fans and this Winnipeg crowd is a big, big part of it. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, up to, I think, 136 or 139 offside and illegal procedure penalties. Um, overall, kudos to everybody. And uh, and a special shout-out to everyone that popped by. Got a, got a lot of dap for a WST last night at the game, Remo, roaming the concourse and uh, being around in the North End in and around halftime, which is always good to see. But... Uh, to me, as great as the performance by the Bombers was on the field, the performance by Bomber fans in the stands and around the stadium was right there as well. And It all led to an absolute 10 out of 10 night at IGF. I agree. Beautiful. You know, aside from the that storm, to be honest, I had no idea that it had happened. And I'm um, hearing about some of the damage in chat. I'm sorry to hear some of that. But at, at the game, I mean, we had a, a fantastic time. They did have a brief what, shelter in place at the start, but then all systems were go. It was packed. You know, when people, the stands were were full. Uh, it seemed like to me it wasn't like, you know, you look around and it's empty, but everyone was in their seats. The wave was going. Everyone's wearing jerseys. Yeah, great atmosphere. And I agree with you. Like when I was, you know, maybe in high school or something, you'd kind of poo-poo the 
CFL, but you've certainly gotten it here over the last, you know, eight, ten years since the new stadium uh, was built, and the team's had so much success. Uh, it's an event. People are coming out, having a great time, and you definitely saw that last night, and I already can't wait till the next home game, which is sold out. Oh, yeah, it's the Banjo Bowl uh, on the Saturday. <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, if you – if you didn't have fun or you can't have fun at an atmosphere and an event like that last night, that is a you problem because um, it was, <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that. Um, both from what the football team did and just everything that goes into, you know, bomber game days right now. And I, you know, there was a few moments last night where I was thinking about my uh, long tenure of attending football games in this city. And, um, you know, we continue to enjoy um, you know, a special era of Blue Bomber football on the field and in the stands. There's a lot of people that deserve a lot of credit for it. But um, I will tell you what, this uh, uh, this team, I think, right now is just getting going. Nine and two, the number one team in the West. Uh, BC is going to try to keep pace and stay one game back with their uh, game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats later on. But it sets up an awesome month of September. The back-to-back games against the Riders. Andrew Harris's long-awaited return on the 29th of September in Winnipeg. And then, of course, what could be the game of the year, Bombers at BC on October 6th. Um, tell you what, I'd love to hear everybody's chat, uh, uh, everyone's comments in the chat on um, on the game last night. Um, by the way, a special shout-out to Derek Schmidt. I was jumping on the blue line to downtown after the game, and Everyone was in a good mood. The bus was packed and looked over, and who's there but Derek, along with one of our youngest WSTers, uh, who we many of us met at the Goldeye game. Uh, I swear that baby's made it to more games than the majority of sports fans in the city of Winnipeg, but it was great to see him and lots of uh, lots of the crew out at the game last night, a little halftime visit with Isha boy Bruce and the boys so um I don't know I just left I've just had a nice you just you know how you just feel like you've got a nice buzz from something that leading into this weekend um from that game it really was uh, it really was awesome and uh, and again what a performance for the blue bombers we'll talk about it coming up with Billick in a uh, in a couple minutes um speaking of beatdowns Reem I'm not sure if you got up for this but uh we kind of came from the Bombers laying it to the uh, <laughs> to the Alouettes by 30. I wasn't expecting Canada to give it to France by 30 today at the uh, FIBA World Cup. Just an absolutely monster win by Canada who came into this game as underdogs, whipping the Olympic bronze medalist by 30 points today. Um, and we're going to find out more from Alex Adams, who's going to join us from Jakarta, Indonesia, a little bit later on in the program very important not only to win this game, but the way they won and the margin of victory, all huge as Canada looks to get out of their group and move on to the quarterfinals and potentially qualify for the Olympics in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, we've been hearing how good Canada's been at basketball, how they're improving for years, and they just haven't been able to get to the Olympics, whether it's, you know, guys uh, not showing up or getting screwed by international officiating it seems like everything is coming together uh this year for canada um for canada you know in basketball it's a world cup trying to get back to the olympics and um you know they're playing a team like france well what was the spread coming into this 
like pick him was Canada's. Well, I bet Canada plus one hundred five. So and France was France favored. Was, yeah, France was minus one twenty three. I think it and was like two Can- and a half points or something like and that. And Canada won by sorry thirty ninety five sixty five. Absolutely incredible. And uh, what the games are, I actually don't mind the morning games. As look, I'm up early these days. I've got uh, I've got young young children. So eight thirty a.m. start. Look, you have your breakfast. Watch a little ball. Uh, kind of nice. So here's the schedule. Next game, uh, the 27th. That's in two days. That one's a bit wild. That's a 4.45 a.m. local time start. A.m. Listen, you might not need to get up for that one, folks. Mm-hmm. Canada's a 39.5-point favorite against Lebanon in their second game. And then the big one is Latvia. But Canada-France was the game of this first round. And uh, to do it in the fashion that they did, led by Shea Gil- Gil- uh, Gilgis alexander a hell of a start for our Canadian team. And uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, and obviously this event just started, but there has been quite a bit of lead up. I think this is going to be a big, big story in the country over the course of the next couple of weeks. And we're lucky enough to have Alex Adams join us a little bit later on in the program. We, we can mark that off on the WST map that we've had guests on. Like we had you in Qatar and yeah. it looked and sounded great. And now, be thanks to the internet. Yeah, Alex Adams in Jakarta, Indonesia. That's that's crazy. So I'm trying to think. Like, have we hit every continent yet for a guest? I don't know if we've had anyone from Europe. Have we had anyone or anyone from, from anyone from South America? Might have to hit those. I'll definitely. We'll, we'll put, put them on, on our the bingo to, card on the to do list. Hey, speaking of the to do list, um, the Winnipeg Jets did cross something off and this was teased by Murata Tesh on Winnipeg Sports Talk on Wednesday uh, but the Jets did formally announce an ECHL affiliate the Norfolk Admirals will now be part of this Winnipeg Jets organization Manitoba Moose of course will still be the American Hockey League affiliate and now they will have an ECHL team to send some players and prospects to and it's probably most significant for goaltenders, whether one of those young players, I mean, we'll see whether Milic uh, fits in with the Moose or whether they bring him to Norfolk and let him play 50-plus games of pro hockey. Um, but that was a bit of an issue last year outside the Moose, the Jets not having, or yeah, the Jets not having that dedicated ECHL affiliate. And uh, today it was announced that uh, they're back in with a full affiliation uh, for the first time with Norfolk. Yeah, and they haven't had an affiliate for the last couple seasons. Uh, there's always been people in chat here. Why don't the Jets have an ECHL affiliate and they would loan players to teams? And I and I guess you wouldn't have that much control over playing time, anything like that. And uh, we did tease this a bit with Marat yesterday. Shout out to him who was who was on this one. But yeah, you know that can only be a benefit having an ECHL team. And they figured it was time, especially we said all these goalies they got to make sure that they're playing. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I already see someone in chat, Brass Bonanza, that he's getting a Norfolk Admirals jersey. Jersey. So I'm sure we'll see some shuttling up and down between the Moose and Norfolk. And then that's, I mean, that was some Jets news of the day. That and Morgan Barron too at the at the Manitoba Open. Uh, all caps. Kyle uh, has uh, entered the chat and it says, "Where is Norfolk? Norfolk is in Virginia." 
uh, I do believe. So uh, a little, not very close, but um, that's a very busy part for uh, the East Coast League, sort of where uh, where it started. It was great to see Kyle last Friday and showed it to St. James J-Rock. Thanks for coming to say hi to me and Jeff Bowers at Hooters. It was great to see you guys last week. Yeah, that was a heck of a lot of fun. As I said, um, next week we'll hopefully be able to announce some of this, but uh, we've got some exciting things coming up for the upcoming Winnipeg Jets season. I'll just uh, leave it at that. Stay tuned. Um, And I would say for sure we'll have launched everything before we have our big sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug. Again, get those tickets if you haven't already. Link is in the description right now because they are going fast and uh, we want everyone that wants to come to uh, be able to to make it. Um, So Billick is coming up in just a couple minutes. We're also going to have Brandon on, Hacksaw as well. Um, the one thing, and Remus, this is like, you know, obviously we don't normally talk, uh, uh, you know, a lot of wrestling, although I like to do make references to it. Um, just quickly, though, a horrible, horrible loss in the world. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, passed away yesterday, 36 years old. Really was one of the bigger stars in the WWE for the better part of the last 10 to 15 years. Um, some pretty shocking news that um, I actually found out from a tweet from The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. But, um, you know, a, a guy that you just, you know, you can see with what everyone's saying. He, uh, an incredibly, incredibly popular, um, you know, member of the roster and uh, just an absolute tragedy. And unfortunately, particularly when it comes to pro wrestling, we're hearing about, you know, individuals, um, you know, being lost way too soon. But this one was an absolute stunner that uh, I think caught, you know, the sports entertainment world, but beyond uh, by uh, by surprise. And I mean, just a terrible, terrible tragedy. Yeah, rough week for um, wrestling has Terry Funk uh, passing away earlier this week, the hardcore legend. But this one was a stunner. Uh, 36 year old, 36 years old. And if you don't know Bray Wyatt and you're a wrestling fan, you might know his father. Uh, Michael Rotunda, also known as IRS. Um, and, right. I, and I saw that, you know, the cause of death I saw was reported that what he had a heart attack after COVID complications that he was working to come back from. Um, you know, he was at uh, WrestleMania, uh, you know, great talent. Um, that one was a, a bit of a shot. That was a shocker. Uh, has yesterday way way too young, thirty six years old. I did see WWE announcing too that all proceeds from merch sales on their website will be going uh, to his family. But that was really sad yesterday. Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention that because I know we're going to be getting having fun at the end of the show with the marble race, and that um, yeah, was something that really uh, caught a lot of people off guard and really had an impact amongst anyone that was a fan or certainly people that had a, a connection to him. All right. Billick on deck, Rewiki. We're going to head to Indonesia, talk about the uh, big Canada win today, Hacksaw, and don't forget a trip to the ballpark. It is fan appreciation tonight for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes in the final week of the regular season. Uh, but, fellas, uh, need a cut this weekend? Uh, you got to head on down to one of eight modern man barber locations here in the city of Winnipeg, including their newest locations on Pemina Highway, and over on Plessy Road, modern men barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look. I did it earlier this week via modernmanbarber.com. And you can follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Uh, 
is going to be pretty nice next weekend and still some time to enjoy the pool. Uh, maybe you've been thinking about making 2023 the year you take the plunge and visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Still time to do that. Of course, whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. Uh, with thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. But there are limited install dates left, so uh, now's the time to visit Aquatech in-store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. More info at aqua-tech.ca. Are you ready for the weekend? Might be heading out of town, maybe doing a little camping, maybe getting on the water. Uh, none of that happens if you don't take care of your battery needs. And there's one spot that'll do it all for you. And that, of course, is Manitoba Battery over on Logan Avenue. Uh, a great local company, proud supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place where you will get batteries for literally anything that you need. Uh, boats, campers, lawn tractors, Sea-Doo's, ATV's, I mean, the list goes on. The best part about it, though, beating the pants off the big box stores with prices. Donnie and his team have the best prices in town. And to top it all off, they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. So you'll save time as well on it. Any purchase over 60 bucks, it's that easy. Get on over to ManitobaBattery.com. You can check out everything that they've got waiting for you. Give them a phone call if you've got some particular questions or want to order over the phone for home delivery. And again, you can always pop in and see Donnie's great staff at 1026 Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery. And uh, holy smokes, a shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. I'm not sure that there's any CC and gingers left in the city after the amount I saw being consumed last night at the Bomber game. Uh, Canada's favorite whiskey is, uh, of course, available at your Manitoba Liquor Marts if it's open. And if you want the great taste of CC and ginger, you can pick it up in 473 milliliter cans and six packs at your local beer store as well. Shout out to Canadian Club, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, of course, your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get to last night's big win and uh, welcome in our pal Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun, who uh, looks like he's on location today. Are you at the golf tournament right now? And yeah, day two here. Um, so we're back out here. A lot cooler today, a lot windier today than it was yesterday. Uh, scores are not the same today. <laughs> you say don't that. say. So, you don't uh, say. Anyone that's yeah. golfed, anyone that's golf Southwood yeah. in, in, in the new location knows that it's basically two different golf courses when the winds are up nope. and the winds are quiet. And uh, I guess yesterday, oh. looking at what the scores were, it was pretty nice conditions for the most part. And uh, guys that went out this morning not enjoying that same sort of uh, hospitality from the golf course and Mother Nature. So I'll tell you a story. So yesterday, a, a Canadian named Joey Savoy, he, he goes seven under on the four power fives here. He eagles three of them. Uh, and Birdie's the other one. Today, uh, he was even par for for all of them. So that just tells you. And and he was even he came in and he spoke to us. He he was saying that, you know, the problem is like you could you could easily get to the the greens uh, yesterday on on your second shot. And today there was just no chance. Like just not enough. Um, the wind was just playing too hard to to be able to do that. And 
that said, um, one of the guys that was making a big push today, I think he was minus five for a round, which I believe is the low round today so far. I mean, we've only been through most of the morning groups so far, but he holed out while he drove the green um, on a par four because they had the they were downwind there. So I mean, that ball he almost put it 400 yards down the down the fairway and right onto the green, and then putted one in for for eagle. So so it's been, yeah, but it's been a wild day. I just talked to Morgan Barron. He was eating lunch before. Um, his round, he started. He, he doesn't tee off till two forty, so another hour and ten minutes. But he's a little worried about the rain, or not? <laughs> sorry, not the rain, the wind. After uh, he had he had a respectable, you know, yeah. eight over yesterday, but um, yeah, he's worried about it today. Well, a he had bit those more than three bogeys on the last three holes that got him to yeah. eighty. It would have been nice for it to start with a seven, but I, I got to tell you, I mean, I that's a pretty impressive round. I know he mixed in a birdie yeah. there. Um, how did he feel about uh, the? Uh, Getting the nerves out and uh, you know getting that yeah. first round uh, round in. Also, you know the nice thing for Baron was, I mean, the bad thing was, you know, off the first key, he put one in the fescue, um, and then the second, no, so his first shot went into the fairway bunker. His second shot went into the fescue. I want to say his third shot went to into the bunker next to the green, and then he made an up and down out of there, and he made like a thirty foot putt to to save bogey and that's when he said he got his confidence right like his confidence is like okay I, you know i can do this and then from there it was he was playing you know one bogey every three holes which was matching mark shifley's low round of any jets player that's been here uh shifley shot a 78 on the par 72 here um in the first round last year um so he was on pace for that until those final three holes where he just went bogey 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 um and then finished with an eight over but um, you know, for for a guy who's never played a competitive round of golf in his life, um, you know, a, a seventy-eight or a, sorry, an eighty is, is 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 exceptional. Even in you know the conditions yesterday were great. All the golfers were talking about it. Um, <clears throat> the low round yesterday was ten under, couple uh, one nine under, uh, a couple eights, a bunch of guys at seven under. So you know, scoring conditions were perfect yesterday. But uh, no, yeah, Morgan Morgan was. Um, I, he was happy with his round. I mean, I, I, you know, and I would be too. I mean, you know, even if you are a, even if your handicap's in the low fours or whatever, you're you're not complaining. So um, with that, in in you know, playing with pros, uh, yeah, as he did all yesterday. He uh, Baron's got a two forty tee time, so if uh, you yeah. do want to get out and catch the afternoon rounds, you'll be able to see the Winnipeg Jet playing at two forty. And the other guy that we're keeping a close eye on is uh, the Manitoba amateur champion, Braxton Kuntz, who uh, is hanging in there right now. He is even par. Looks like the projected cut line is at minus two, although that could potentially go down depending on how gnarly things get this afternoon. Um, Braxton won over on his round. He's through 12. Um, So I know everyone at a breezy, and obviously just Manitoba golf people are going to be hoping we might have a Manitoban play in the weekend and uh, uh, we're paying attention to, to that. All right, Scotty. Let's talk about this yep. game last night. Um, you know, it was kind of hilarious, kind of hilarious. 47-17, and the score flatters the team that lost by 30 when you think that 14 of their 17 points were on pick sixes, ironically, from Zach Caleros. But, um, you know, we talked about it, you know, off the top of the show, just what a perfect night it was. Packed house, incredible crowd, and an absolutely dominating performance by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, this team, 9-2 and two right now, in a great, great spot with a few days off before getting ready for back-to-backs against their arch rivals, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 
Well, yeah, and it's just like another slow sort of start, right, too, right? Like it was just kind of a wishy-washy start that that they didn't, you know, they weren't doing much. Obviously, the, you know, I think the Claire was to me looked a little tentative off the start of the game. Like it was, you know, the, the pocket wasn't, you know, holding up around him. So he was forced out. And, you know, if there's one thing we know about Zach Claros on, on one of the picks, it was just like, you know, this guy, he throws crossbody. He, has, he doesn't really have much of a problem doing that. But I don't know where he was throwing that ball. And it was just, it was, it, it just looked like he didn't have his rhythm. But then, you know, they, they picked up. I mean, especially in the second half. I mean, what a what a second half. And they, they just put the boots on them and they kept it going. And, like, that's – it's like this team is so well-rounded on offense. I mean, you, you, the thing to me is, like, you know, I remember looking up halfway through the game. Or not even – about the end of the third quarter, I was like, you know, I mean, rushing yards is a pretty Oliver half because it always just seems like he does it so quietly. And he was up to 120 yards on 18 carries at that point. I'm like, like he does it so quietly sometimes, in my opinion. But it's just like he's been really good. Obviously, I mean, Dembski was solid. Kelly Neal Aller. I mean, it, it was a really good offensive um, performance. But, you know, the defense figured it out. And, and I thought the offensive line started to really kind of get their mojo back. And, and you know, once Zach is protected back there, I mean, yeah, we when we saw what happened, too. It was an absolute domination um i think one of the comments last night was because uh, it, it was was the challenge i think in in the fourth quarter and and then i think i don't know somebody on the broadcast last night was talking about piling on or whatever i'm like man this is professional sports you just you pile on like this is what you do like you, i will admit like, I, was up in the 200s. I was up at the 200s yeah. I, and, and you know we saw that and i'm like oh that was pretty borderline and then the challenge flag went out, and I turned around. And I'm like, Are they really Perfect. challenging a offensive pass interference up thirty in the fourth quarter? Perfect. That being said, I was totally here for it. <laughs> Send a message, man. Send a message. Like, here, here's the thing. Like, I mean, this isn't. It's not. I mean, tweeted this out last night, but it's like it's not reckly, right? Like, you know, if you have a chance to drop, you know, hang. You look. So when the, the when they hung fifty on. Um, it was BC. It was yeah. BC here three weeks ago, I guess it is now. Um, you go in, we walked into that locker room after, and people, they were happy that, they, like, that galvanized that team, hanging 50 on a team. Like, that was something. I think, I, I think the broadcast mentioned, like, somebody had said last night on the bench or overheard or whatever that they wanted to hang 50 on, on, on the Owls, too, because, you know, they got, they were close enough to do it. Why not go for it? And to me, it's like, I mean, the, if you want, the beating to stop, then stop the beating. But, you know, Montreal just didn't have an answer. And this is the thing about the Bombers to me. It's like, Zach Claros can have a, you know, he had four, I think he was four touchdowns at the end of the day yesterday, but he had three three interceptions, two pick sixes. I think, you know, he didn't finish with more than 240 yards, if, I, if I'm mistaken, before they brought him out. I mean, but that's the other thing, too. You want to talk about piling on. If they were going to pile on, they would have left Claros in, they would have left Brady in. Instead of putting Johnny Augustine in for the last little bit, and 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 Clarissa was out for most of the fourth quarter, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, but it was just it was a it was a, a solid performance that started out a little slow for the Bombers and ended spectacularly, and and it showed that, you know how how strong this team is and how you know if the Edmonton game didn't kind of show it you know this bomber team is never out of it and one more comment on that whole piling on thing like if you keep your foot on the gas the whole time you never have the Ottawa game happen right like you don't have games like that where 
you know, if you look at last week, last week was only a one point game in the end. And, you know, they win that game, but like, you never know in the CFL. And I know it was a 30 point gap at, at the end of the day and whatever. I mean, that's hard to overcome, but I mean, you also have to realize like this team lost a game earlier this year where they were leading by a healthy margin. Against oh, that's Ottawa. a great point, Scott. Um, that is and, a great point. So like, I think, I think people need to understand, like if, if you have a problem with the piling on thing, like it, it's just as much like you're sticking it to the other team as it is like, you know, CFL, a lot of things can change quickly. This isn't the NFL where you don't play, you know, the last three or four minutes sometimes because the game's just out of hand, right? Like the CFL, you, the, the score can change very quickly in this league. And um, yeah, people were doing the wave. They were up by 30 <laughs> at that point. I mean, that but, game wasn't okay. turning around. We'll let that but I, I'm glad you brought that's up the right, Ottawa yeah. game. I'm glad you brought up the Ottawa game because – in a lot of ways, everyone that watched that game knew that the Bombers thought that that game was over and sort of went yep. into cruise control or kind of sleptwalked through and all of a sudden got got. Um, that wasn't yep. going to happen last night. But I am, you know, when you lose a game that way, you remember it. And I think you conduct yourselves a little differently. Now, it would have been patently insane with Zach Caleros being hurt a couple of weeks ago to have him in at the end. Sure. And it was a great opportunity to give... Drew Brown, Johnny Augustine, and some of those players an opportunity to uh, get a few touches that they might not normally do it and rest the starters. Um, but overall, I mean, just a top-to-bottom performance. Ironically, yeah. the only guy that I think you could single out that maybe didn't have his best game was Zach. Now, he passed for four touchdowns, yeah. which was great, but, I mean, two pick-sixes and three picks in the first half was very uncharacteristic. But to be honest... That's the only reason this was even a game at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I think people are giving, saying it was a little closer than maybe it actually was because, I mean, of course, on the scoreboard, it was very close. I mean, they were down seven, nothing early. I mean, basically the first throw of the game was, you know, gone back for a pick six. So you, do you have to, you know, you take notice of that or whatever, but but Montreal's offense, I mean, I, 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 what was this? I think they didn't get their first first down in the second half until there was like 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong yeah, on that. They had stat, three yards. They had three certain, yards of offense. Yeah. Up yeah, until like, the, last, I mean, Montre uh, the last Montreal's possession. Montreal's offense wasn't, right, they weren't doing anything. Cody Fichardo wasn't doing anything, right? So, you know, and, and you know, part of it is, you know, you're watching the game and, you know, if you're watching on TV, you obviously, you know, they're, they're trying to still make it, you know, somewhat uh, – uh, trying to keep interest if you're uh, if you're a neutral um, or if you're an Owls fan or whatever, um, but no, I mean it was just it was domination station and not maybe not from start to finish, but you know basically from the start of the second quarter on, in my opinion, you know the Bombers started to figure it out, and by the second half they they looked like the world beating team that they are now at nine and two, and you know two games at least for now two games. Uh, separated from them and the, and, and the BC Lions atop the West Division. Yeah, um, you know, there was, uh, I mean, there were a few things that really stood out when it came to uh, came to that performance last night. Um, you, you talked about Brady Oliveira, um, just an absolute bulldozer, and he seems to be getting better, more confident. Um, yeah. But the offensive line has a big part in that as well, and I thought they just absolutely dominated. And what can you say about the defense? 
But there was two things on TSN I saw last night after the show that are noteworthy. I know there's a lot of people that are triggered about Milt Stiegel still having Toronto as number one on his power poll. I'm not sure whether he's doing that for content or just to make sure that people don't think that he's a bomber homer because he is a bomber for life. Yeah, We'll find out about that on the 29th of, uh, of September. Um, however, I, and, I, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but they had a stat of the head-to-head matchups between Zach Caleros and Cody Fajardo. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Zach's 9-0 and against <laughs> Cody. I'm pretty sure his t- 21 touchdowns to eight picks and I think Cody was something like one and nine picks. Um, Fajardo is going to have nightmares for the rest of his life about IG Field, both yeah. as his time in green, and then this one, frankly, was as ugly as uh, most of uh, his trips here with Saskatchewan as well. Uh, yeah. Winnipeg has not been a hospitable place for one Cody Fajardo when uh, we saw it last night. Yeah, as as it should be. Uh, you know, that's you know one of the things with the bombers is you know you want to you know you want IG Field and I mean last night I mean I, I wish I could have been there. I we didn't get out of here last night because of the delay. It was thirty. There was a ninety minute delay because of the fog yesterday morning and all that. Um, so I didn't get out of here till I don't even know what time. By the time game the game was sort of starting at that point, but um, you know watching on TV. I mean you know you look at IG Field and you see the fans and all that and. That's got to be an intimidating place to play, man. I mean, I, you know, uh, you talk to opposing players, and you know, imagine if you talk to them at postseason or whatever, you ask them which place they don't want to go and play, and I imagine it's got to be IG Field because the fans, the fans brought it last night, sellout. I mean, military appreciation night, obviously, which is always a you know a, a cool thing and a great initiative by the bombers um, to do that. Um, but that place looked like it was rocking, and and just a lot of fun as usual. The biggest social in the in the prairies, whatever you want to call it, but like you know, it, it, it's loud, it's intimidating, and 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 the bombers, I, I you know, I know they feed off of it. I mean, you talk to all the players, they love that. I mean, who wouldn't who wouldn't love going out and just being, you know, cheered to death, and and it just gets deafening in there when 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 you know Fajardo's behind center and they're they're trying to draw them, you know, into whatever. Uh, uh, clock violation or you know offside, whatever it is, right? False start, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's uh, you know the Bombers are doing a lot of things right these days, and I think they've kind of put to bed a lot of the uh, early season, let's say, um, I guess worries. You know, after that thirty-six loss to, to BC, no, I think you're you're exactly right. It out, so, and, yeah. and I'll tell you what, I mean, I kind of hit on this already. I could talk about it for all day. Just the incredible atmosphere, how fun it was at the game, and I tweeted this out. I think I might uh, have turned into a 200-level guy after last night. Oh, yeah. You know, more often than not, I was usually sitting sort of, you know, in the higher rows of the 100 level. Sure. But I sat in the 200s last night. And two things. I mean, the view from up there is incredible. And I kind of think, well, I love my seats low down in the 300 level at the rink watching the Jets. This was very similar to that. But I'll tell you what, the I mean, sometimes in the lower bowl, there's a lot of people in and out, and obviously there's lots of people right. partying. Yeah. The fans, like how dialed in the people around us in those sections, we were, you know, right around the goal line or the five-yard line on the on the west side. Um, it was exactly what you'd expect, a dialed-in, football-crazy fan base 
to be uh, to be in. I mean, people. Uh, uh, it, listen, it was just that was a special night. But this is happening over and over again. And you know, in some ways, we're you know, you, like yeah. I, I tell people, like we need to appreciate this because this is sort of a golden era of Blue Bomber football. When you think about how long it took for them to get to this point, as far as how competitive they are as a team, right. that is one thing. But I mean, it goes hand in hand with everything they've done to uh, get people in and make them come back. And I'll tell you what, my, it, it's pretty tough to beat that experience last night. And I, I said earlier, uh, if you've got any friends that were, uh, you know, haters or sort of the, the people that, you know, diss the CFL, I don't know how you could possibly be at that game last night, be part of that event and not walk out saying, you know what, that was pretty awesome and I'm going to come back sometime. Yeah, I mean, you have to give full credit to the Bombers. Like, Dave, like, I mean, my career started back in 2013 and that was the first year in IGF and they went 3-15 and and that's when everything exploded, right? Butchko was gone. Um, Wade Miller was named the interim CEO and all that and at that point, things started to change, right? I mean, it's taken time. Things don't, you know, Wade, every time I've talked to Wade about this, he keeps telling me, you know, things don't happen overnight. And of course they don't. It takes time to, to you know, change. It's not even just changing the culture of the team or, or the way that they do games, but to rebuild the trust with the fan base, right? I mean, Wade said that a couple times too when I've talked to him. You know, you had to almost convince fans like, you know, you know this is different. This is a different product than you're used to. Um, and I think they've done that well. I mean, they've, they've taken away seats out of that place to open up more things. But if you look at like some of the, you know, the end zone section now where you have the little loges and, and the expansion that they've done more, more opportunities to, you know, if you want to go and just, you know, get hammered at the drum or at the rum hut, you can do that. And, and, you know, that, that's encouraged and all that, of course it's encouraged. I mean, booze is, you know, you know, it sells a lot of money or it makes a lot of money for them, but but you know, yeah, I I can't say enough about, um, you know, I'm not trying to shill for the bombers or anything, but like, I mean, you, you see it every time you go there, you feel like you're just with you know thirty thousand friends, right? I mean, it, that's that's the way it feels, and that's the way it should feel at a sporting event, and 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 yeah, and everybody's there just having a good time, and 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 like you said, I mean, you know, based on you know looking at your videos there and. And listening to you, like it doesn't matter where you sit in that place. Like, a lot of people are dialed in, right? You know, and, oh. and even the people, like, it's just people are dialed because they. This is a football town, right? I mean, you know, it's us and, and Saskatchewan um, in the CFL that you know you can look to as like you know the, the top tier like football towns, football crowds, fan bases, and that sort of thing. And and the Bombers is you know it's next down. And, and you're right, like I mean, I think the biggest thing that you said there. That, that, that you know, it, like appreciate this because this doesn't happen often, right? Like you don't, you don't get to watch a dynasty very often. You don't get to watch, you know, the best football that you can possibly watch in the Canadian game for as long as the Bombers have. You, like you're going to look back at this era, and there's going to be teams that are inducted into Hall of Fames, and you know, there's the, quite possibly a Michael Shea statue at some point down the road, like. You know, if you think back to the guys like Cal Murphy and Bud Grant that have statues there, I mean, those were times that that fans back then talked about being, you know, the the, the golden, you know, the golden era for these teams. Well, we're in another one right now with the Bombers, and and yeah, so you know, 
this place should be sold out every game. You know, there should be 32,000, you know, X, whatever well, it is. Here's the thing, every just from a business because, standpoint, just from yeah. a business standpoint, and it's brilliant. The yeah. Banjo Bowl's been sold out for a week or so. And if you heard, like I heard an ad on the radio for uh, with Kyrie Wilson this week saying, hey, Bomber fans, uh, you know, the Banjo Bowl's sold out, but you can still get seats for Thursday. And I think they've done a great job of driving people to that game. They're now, they have no tickets left to sell for the Banjo Bowl. So guess what? We're going to be selling tickets for that Friday night game against Andrew Harris and the Argonauts. I mean, it's going to be great. And just one note on, on this. I mean, as far as from a football perspective to kind of tie it in with the crowd and the atmosphere and the noise. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the opportunity right now. And listen, this could very well still come down to the October 6th game against the BC Lions. Yep. But to host that West final again. And with all due yep. respect to BC, uh, and they are a problem. We saw what they did in Winnipeg earlier this year in the first in their first visit. Yeah, it's a very different story if you ask me. Come November in Winnipeg for a team from Vancouver that plays at a that dome, so there yeah. is there is a lot there's a lot on the line for that first place, guaranteeing the home game and one and done to get to it to, to Hamilton. Um, we'll yeah. do that, Billick. Enjoy the rest of the golf. Uh, get out there. Uh, give give Morgan Barron our best from the WST chat. Well, dude. You know, yeah. All the Manitobans <laughs> there. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Good stuff. There's Scotty Billick. He is uh, out at the Manitoba Open at Southwood. And again, Morgan Barron's teeing off at 2.40 this afternoon if you don't want to go and check out the Jet, Jet Winger, as well as all the other stars of PGA Tour Canada vying for the title. Um, all right, Rowicki's coming up in just a second. Some more great grilling time this weekend, uh, folks. And uh, if you haven't already, go and check out our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Uh, you know that they've got great prices on national organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too, uh, but specifically for the barbecue. Um, grass-fed bison and beef steaks that are about as good as you will find anywhere. Um, of course, you can wash those down with some great drinks like Sober Carpenter Beer or Santa Cruz Lemonade. And, and hey, hope you've been staying active this summer. If your joints and muscles are sore, try taking Health Curcumin Supreme Extra Strength. It helps ease pain and inflammation, and you only take it once a day. Get on down to Vita Health or... Check out their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca with local delivery options. And of course, six locations for Vita Health in Winnipeg. Um, our friends at Wallace & Wallace have a lot going on right now. They are, of course, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've pretty much got every kind you could want. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And of course, they're the leader in temporary fencing as well for residential or commercial needs. And if you do need to replace your garage door, they have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors as the Clopaid dealer here in Manitoba. Give them a call, 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Um, speaking of... Clothing. How is the wardrobe looking, guys? If you need to up your menswear game heading into fall, go and see our pals Andrew, Alex, and their great staff at F Apparel. Um, 
Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding, a party, or having a wedding yourself, talk to the guys there as well. About a 15% discount when the wedding party gets their suits done up at F Apparel. Pop by and see them. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. And you can make an appointment at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And hey, a big shout out to our friends, Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ. Of course, four locations, Northgate, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. All those great summer blizzard flavors. And a big congratulations to Nick, because I think the Pita Pit is entering the Nick and Nikki world. Big opening coming up in Niverville. We'll tell you about that coming up as well. But uh, great time to pop by on the weekend and make that weekend a little sweeter with a trip to one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, let's get our pal Brandon Rewicki in here to keep this Friday show rolling. Brew, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's it's the best time of year. Pumpkin spice season is here, so let's go. What are, are you one of these guys? I heard people talking about this yesterday. And uh, but what is the story with this? Is this a fad? Is this something that uh, give me the give give me the goods? What's the story? Pumpkin spice latte. I thought that was that's just something that you would hear on like the view. <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> I, I don't know if they started it, but um, I mean, I guess Star- Starbucks kind of like officially announces the start of fall with with pumpkin spice, everything pumpkin spice. And I think it was last year I had it. Um, but the pumpkin spice cold brew is just, it's the elite of elite, like cold brew drink. So really the second I got the notification yesterday, I mean, I was, I was at the airport, couldn't indulge then it was like 8 PM with my flight delayed a couple hours. But, um, yeah, I made sure to get up nice and early to, to start the day off. Right. And I got number two here beside me as well. I'm not, so I'm, now, I'm is, it a, great. is it a coffee drink or is it not coffee? Oh, it's coffee. Yeah. Yeah, it's coffee. Oh, okay. So it's like a flavor, a flavored coffee. I, yeah. I not a coffee drinker. Um, and I probably haven't been to a Starbucks in five years. So this is sort of out of my realm, but I have heard a lot of people talking about it. And I didn't know whether this was something that uh I needed to know about or but now, you know, with a good friend of ours, you know, pimping it on the show, maybe I will have to check it out sometime. Um how about that game last night? I know you were doing a little bit of traveling, but uh, I mean, just before we get to some of the Jet stuff, uh, Bombers keep on rolling. And uh, as great as the performance was on the field, I mean, another sold-out crowd. I mean, uh, it's hard not to just have a great feeling about everything happening with our football team right now as they get to 9-2, and two, just in time for a trip to Regina to spoil Labor Day weekend for Saskatchewan. You know, I'm, I'm not, I really don't think I'm being a homer when I say this, but where would you rank the Bombers as the best run pro football franchises in North America right now? I, you know, and I'll they, tell you what, it's not, it's not 32. <laughs> like they, oh. There's, I don't know where you want to rank them compared to some of the, the monsters down south, but man, like they... They just get it. Like, they get everything right. And it's somehow getting better. Like, it was amazing, like, two or three years ago. But where it is now is just a different level. And, I mean, it also speaks to the state of the franchise on the field that, you know, you throw a pick six to start the game, you're down seven rip. And it's like, okay, well, how much longer till we're up 10, 15 points? You know what I mean? Like, there's just no worry whatsoever. That's usually a back-breaking play for any other team. 
to go down 7-0 like that for the bar. It's like, oh, okay, we'll figure out a way to be up by 20 by the time the third quarter comes around, right? So we're spoiled. We're spoiled at every facet of it. But, um, you know, the CFL, the way this season's playing out, Hus, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but kind of feels like there's three teams battling for the Great Cup right now, doesn't Absolutely. it? And the Bombers are one of them. Well, I mean, we, I'd said all week that, listen, there's a tier of three teams. It's Montreal, or sorry, it's Toronto, Winnipeg, yep. BC. And then the next tier is Montreal, and that's it. And I think we learned last night that there's a huge gap between <laughs> Montreal, who's now 0-5 against the spread this year, against teams with winning records. So do with that information what you will. But just as far as, here's a quote from, or a, a comment from a few minutes ago in chat from Jay Smooth. The environment did feel a bit like a smaller version of an NFL game last night. It was fantastic. I can tell you, I've been to plenty of NFL games that had nowhere close to the atmosphere of last night's game. I mean, listen, there are some ones, and the ones we'll see on primetime, the packed stadiums. There's also a lot of others where, you know, the place hasn't been full. The fans have been very apathetic about it. I mean, that's not the case right now. And, uh, I mean, listen, the team on the field deserves a big, big part of the credit. And we can talk about the uh, brilliant way that the team has done things for fans, built up the fan base, what they're doing off the field. But there's a championship caliber of football right now that this team is bringing in pretty much night in and night out. And now at nine and two, you know, with the opportunity to, you know, obviously you've got these games against Saskatchewan, a huge game and Andrew Harris's return. I mean, what a game that will be on the 29th when Toronto comes here. And then of course the October 6th game against BC, but just being there last night, watching the way this team played, remembering their performance in the rematch against BC if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are first place, it's hard to imagine them not winning that Western final, regardless of who they play, but likely BC, and not being back to uh, get another kick at it at Tim Hortons Field on November 19th. It's really hard. You're, I mean, you're 100% right there. And I, I, I feel like, I could be wrong, but I feel like this is a championship-level team that when the chips start to get down a little bit later in the season that there's another level that they have that they're going to turn up to. Like, I feel like it's still like 90% of what this team is capable of right now. And that come playoff time, they're going to bring it up another notch here. I, yeah. I, I don't know if BC has that in them. Um, I mean, defensively, defensively they might, but I still wonder offensively, if they'd be able to go toe to toe with what the bombers are capable of. And then you have, I mean, Toronto's Toronto. That That's going to be, that's the rematch. Then, then we'll have we'll have a bit of a beauty on our hands here, but um, I mean it's it's a great test coming up for the blue, right? Because this is like all the great rivalries in every other sport where the record it does not matter going into Labor Day, right? Like it's I imagine at least like it's going to be a close one, and for the first time in a while, the Bombers are going to be legitimately tested here, and I'll be very very intrigued to see um, who steps up. And uh, I'm not going to be surprised if maybe Willie Jeffers is and doing a little bit of a guitar strum in the end zone oh. next well, weekend for the LDP. It's funny you say that because, and I mean, this goes from the players. Like, I mean, and it literally goes throughout the organization all the way up to Wade Miller. I don't think there's anything that the Winnipeg football clubs more club loves more than beating the hell out of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, I mean, we've seen it over the last number of years where the Bombers have really had the upper hand in most of their matchups. And, uh, I mean, they don't apologize for it. 
They go in and do it. They don't mind. And again, we were joking earlier with Billick about the challenge, the 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 PI challenge up thirty late in the fourth quarter last night. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you, if the opportunity to do that against Saskatchewan does, it happens. And let's not forget the Bombers went in to Saskatchewan earlier this year. Trevor Harris was playing. Trevor Harris passed for four hundred yards, had a monster game. And the Bombers still won by 17. So now that they're moving down that quarterback tier yeah. a little bit, and Dolly Gala had a good game last week, and they got a big win against BC. Um, but you better be ready for that Blue Bomber defense because uh, uh, this team, as I said, you know, a couple times they maybe had slower starts. I think this team is going to be ramped up, ready to do it not once but twice over the next two weeks to their arch rivals. And I think we're going to find out really about Saskatchewan because – I'll be honest. I mean, when you look at some of their wins, uh, they've been nail biters against some of the worst teams in the league. Um, this could be a cold, hard dose of reality for uh, the gang in green when uh, the Bombers get to Regina on Labor Day. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine with me. I mean, hey, look, we, we had to go through, what, Justin Goltz? What other QBs in the last 20 years, like third, fourth string QBs did the Bombers have to start? And then was there any sympathy from their side? So, no, oh. I, I feel nothing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, means absolutely Zippo to me. So go out there and, uh, yeah, let's make a statement and let's have some fun in the second half. Hey, you know what? We don't need to get too much into it. And I think we'll probably spend some more time, you know, right on the eve of training camp or week coming up. But, you know, Austin Matthews signed his extension, which I thought actually was a great deal for both sides. I mean, certainly he's earned the money. You knew he was going to get that somewhere. Four years allows him to sign another probably a long-term deal at 29 or 30 whatever he is at the end of that um you know the Leafs were going to do whatever they had to do to get him and they have their franchise player there for the next five years right through his prime so you know win-win but the one thing it does is it takes away a lot of the circus that would have guaranteed been around Toronto and Austin if he was playing on that expiring contract well, two of the Jets' top players are in that exact situation. And frankly, there might even be more noise around those because of reports that certainly with Hellebuck not wanting to re-sign, obviously everything that's happened with Shifley. Um, What do you think the best course of action by both team and player going into training camp to minimize what is certainly going to be plenty of conversations, not necessarily about the opening game of the season against Calgary, but about the future of 55 and 37. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way you can go at it, I think, is that day one of camp, everybody comes in, Ella Buck Shifley open to reporters. I mean, what, what they did last year with Wheeler, right? Like, I mean, you don't, I don't know, you don't really have too many other options. Like, put them in front. Whatever questions you guys got, let's get it over with right now. Like, let's answer every single possible thing. And, you know, hopefully, I don't think they would. Hopefully neither Helly or Shifley drop a bomb on, on Chevy and the Jets and make things a little bit more, uh, you know, a little more dynamic going into the season. But you just kind of bite the bullet for a day or two. And then, it, you know, I mean, it's it's the it's the new cycle that we live in, especially in sports where stuff that also pop up in two or three days and take over that. So I, I don't really anticipate it being an issue. Hus, the only time this is going to and will be an issue is going to be December, January, February, where by all accounts, the Winnipeg Jets won't be good enough to be in the top two or three spots in the West, and they won't be bad enough to be in the bottom 
four, five, six spots in the West. But they'll be somewhere in that middle spot. And that's when things are going to ramp up. And that's when the conversations start to get interesting. I think, honestly, you know, heading into camp, I mean, yeah, it's a big issue. But I, I just, I mean, look, we all know the deal, right? Neither one of these guys is overly likely to, to recommit here in Winnipeg. And the real, the real decision time and the real, you know, fireworks are going to start once we get about a month or so away from the trade deadline of the Jets have to make the decision that they've put themselves in. Are we mortgaging the future for a playoff run as a likely three seed or wild card team? Or do we pull a St. Louis blues and you know what, have a dose of a reality thrown on us and put the season into the tank, get some assets and then try to reload going into the next couple of seasons. So um, I think it'll be an interesting first day or two, but I really don't think it's going to be something that, Hangs a dark cloud over the team over the course of the season because it's just it's different than Toronto. Yeah, well, well, the thing that's different though is that, and for both of the players, like this is not a situation, at least from where I'm sitting, that you know these guys are looking at other options and the Winnipeg Jets are like, hell no, we're not trading them. Their names have been out there all summer long, and essentially, what I think the consensus is that the market. For both those players, or at least the cost, certainly for Hellebuck's side, the cost and the fear of what he's asking for in a contract is making that tough to do. And I mean, the Shifley situation is wild. I mean, this is a guy that's coming off a 42-goal season. Everyone knew that the Winnipeg Jets were more than willing to listen to offers, and there basically hasn't been any. And that puts him in a really, really unique situation, knowing that you're playing for your final big contract and probably have a lot of proving to do. It could go a few different ways. I mean, there is a best-case scenario that this brings out, you know, the best in a player that realizes that there's maybe a few things that he needs to do to change the perception of him outside this market around the league. And if you do that, probably helps him in a big way. And then obviously there's also some other options, like kind of what happened at the end of last season and the season before, that could end up being problematic. I, I'm not sure there's a player in the league. Certainly there's probably no, no more than a few players that are in as crucial and interesting situations personally going into game number one that Mark Shifley is considering his future as an NHLer. Oh, I mean, 100%. And I mean, look, he's made a lot of money in his career, but it's a dude that signed a, a sweetheart deal and has been incredibly underpaid for, what, five years? Like maybe once that contract got started, he's been underpaid by it. And I mean, for both him and Hellebuck, like this is your last chance to get the payday. You will not get another chance after this in all likelihood being 2930. Right. So, I mean, as far as being sharp and ready to go, like there, there are no excuses there. Like they have to be at the peak of their game if they want to maximize how much they're making on their next deal. And I, I mean, look, I, I don't anticipate either one of them, you know, downing tools, Heading into this year because they're unhappy the team shopped them all season long. There's just too much on the line for them. Yeah. In really every sense, right? Like financially for sure, but also like professionally. Things like I mean, for Hellebuck, you want to win. I mean, a, a good season from him not only gets him paid, but if it gets him traded, it's gonna be to a contender at the deadline, or that maybe the Jets are shockingly closer to that, right? So I I I, I it's gonna be the to me, the big intriguing point is just gonna be how far the Winnipeg Jets are willing to go with this. And then would they would they consider the would they think about the unthinkable? And that would be keeping them both in the fold and making a run at the well, playoff. That's not really unthinkable. Right into, I mean, like, guess what? That's what good teams do. 
like good teams do not trade their players at the deadline. And I mean, I would disagree. I would disagree with that because I think, I think St. Louis has done an absolutely, and, and Doug Armstrong have done an absolutely marvelous job of just being honest with where their team is at. And because yeah, but I, I would the, argue that they weren't very good. Like, well, but because they did that with the Paul Stasny trade to Winnipeg, that gave them the assets that ultimately led to the Stanley Cup winning team a year later. So, well, I, I mean, I for sure, I, I just saying. mean that yeah, when they yeah. made that when they made that Paul Stasny trade, I mean they were just honest that they, you know, were a real borderline team and probably weren't doing much, and they made a tough decision. And they did that, and you're exactly right. I mean it. I mean, although the funny thing is, I can't. I'm trying to remember what they got out of that. They got Eric Foley and Clem Costin, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And that well, the pick was was Costin, I I I believe. Um, Could be wrong. Anyways, I I just mean that there is a scenario. Like like look at Boston. They had a ton. Like they were a great team. They had a ton of guys on one year deals. They weren't thinking for a minute about anything other than this season. Now. I will agree, and I'm sure you as well. I think the Winnipeg Jets as a team right now are way, ways away from being that. But I'm telling you right now, if all of a sudden this team is, like, there is a scenario that this team goes gangbusters for the first 30, 40 games of the season and is contending with the top teams, and if all of a sudden you're there, I mean, it's very hard to think about that, even though it's probably more important for a team in Winnipeg with you know their issues regarding attracting free agents and everything like that um, to do it. So, I mean, it's a paradox right now for Kevin Sheveldayoff. And in a way, I mean, you don't like to say this, but I mean, I think a lot of people agree. I mean, the best thing for this team might be to have some real clarity on where they are and what the situation is in the first couple months of the season. But I'm not sure, especially with the parity, the three-point games and everything. I mean, it's rare that you get that. I mean... The only teams well, and that look really- at the West, Huss. Like the, the there there are good teams in the West. It's mm-hmm. nothing like the East for sure, where it's you know one through ten, eleven. Like there's some really really good teams there, but like you have Colorado, Dallas in the Central that I think have separated themselves. I mean, obviously Vegas with what they've done, and I would say Edmonton at this point too. Maybe you throw LA in there, but like after those teams, there's the really bad teams. Everybody else is pretty damn close. Like, there's not a lot of separation with the just good teams in the Western Conference, which is what's going to make it so fascinating because there's a possibility the Jets are four points, five points clear of the playoff line. They could be at it. They could be five, six back, right? It, it's 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 just it's tough to get a real sense of, of where they're going to be because they're in a group with about six or seven other teams fighting for four playoff spots. And I mean, and then, I mean, this is the nature of sports. I mean, why we love it. Um I mean, the East was so much more top-heavy than the West was yesterday, and the Panthers barely got in by one point, and they ended up playing for the damn cup in the final. So uh, all I'll say is this. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways this can go. Um, So much is going to depend on how the team performs and where they are in the standings, and it's going to be a lot of fun to speculate and talk about every day on this show and, of course, on skates and plates. Um, Hey, just very quickly, did you see that hoops this morning? I saw, I saw you tweet out the score, but I uh, beat traveled down, didn't get a chance to catch Beat it. down Canada. Well, uh, you probably won't have to get up at 4.45 a.m. to watch the game versus Lebanon on Sunday morning. <laughs> Canada is a 39.5-point favorite, uh, but a great start. We're going to talk about that in a minute with Alex Adams in Jakarta. Brandon, have a great weekend, man. Thanks for doing this.
Yeah, you too, guys. We'll talk soon. Good stuff. There is Rewiki. Subscribe to Skates and Plates wherever you get your um, wherever you get your favorite pods, uh, like WST. All right, as I mentioned, a huge, huge moment for Canada basketball today. FIBA World Cup trying to qualify for the Olympics, and a massive upset win by 30 points over the world number five ranked French. We're going to get to Indonesia in just a second. We have Hacksaw coming up at the bottom of the hour. But a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. Of course, the game sponsor last night, and I did see Derek Schmidt and a lot of people speaking about how nice those giveaway blankets were last night at the game. I think he had the little one that was uh, tied up in that thing on the way back from the game. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers and WST, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Um, shout out to our gang over at Consolidated Supply. I know Spicy, uh, the, uh, the, uh, and uh, Gino's been very, very busy. Uh, our buddy Joe with the irrigation systems. It's been a wild summer for them, and that's a good thing. Of course, they are the leaders in irrigation systems for your property, not to mention artificial turf and the club car dealer in Manitoba with great deals on both new and used golf carts. But they've got other great options for your property, hot tubs, spas, and amazing outdoor kitchens, not to mention the leaders in small engine parts and repair. So much is waiting for you at Consolidated Supply of what they can do for you. Pop by and see them at the showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Hey, big day over at Royal Sports with hockey season just around the corner. It is the Bauer Hype Fest, and it is going on as we speak. Free barbecue, great prizes, displays of all sorts of new equipment. It's all there this afternoon at Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway. Of course, hockey season is just about here, and Royal has been the number one hockey superstore, family-owned for 40 years here in Winnipeg. Everything you need to get a head start in the season is over at Royal Sports. And uh, while you're there, check out all the new NFL merch coming in by the day. Get you ready for your fantasy drafts in the next couple weeks. An NFL kickoff on the 7th of September when the Chiefs raise a banner and host the Detroit Lions. Of course, Royal Sports also on Instagram at Royal Sports Pamina. For the latest merchandise drop sale information, of course, notifications on events like Bauer Hype Fest, which is going on today down at 750 Pembina Highway. Um, Bombers off for a few days. We've got some great CFL action this week. Tonight, it's Calgary and the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, no better place to uh, get together and keep an eye on the rest of the CFL than over at Boston Pizza while watching a big Blue Jays game tonight against the Cleveland Guardians as well. No better place to get together with the gang for the big game than your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and, of course, those gourmet pizzas as well. And, hey, if you're staying at home, you can always shop online and order to your home at bostonpizza.com. All right, Hacksaw coming up in a few minutes, but right now let's go to Jakarta, Indonesia. Our WST FIBA World Cup correspondent Alex Adams joins us to discuss Canada's beatdown of France this morning in game number one.
Alex, thanks for doing this. How are things on the other side of the world? Well, um, with that win, I, I, I can't, there's no complaints. I, I've been jet lagged. I can't sleep. But, you know, after this kind of performance, I am going to sleep easy. And, oh, man, I am just buzzing. And I'm sure Canadian basketball fans are just overjoyed with that performance against France. Hey, just before we get to the game, um, I mean, we talked last week before you'd gone. Uh, how was uh, how was getting there and what what is Indonesia like? I mean, do you really feel like it is the host of a huge world sporting event? It is a huge city. Uh, you feel that immediately. Everyone is on scooters. That's the thing here. Uh, you, I, I was walking to the game today. And there must have been at least 100 people at an intersection with scooters. So that's that's one thing. Uh, they actually, Indonesia, for people who don't know, picked Canada to play here. So there was a lot of Indonesian fans, and they've done a lot of promotions to essentially build up Canada. And I don't think they disappointed this today. So uh, it's been really cool. It's a really cool facility. Um, FIBA is not maybe the best uh, organizing body in a lot of ways. So uh, there's been uh, a Wi-Fi issues here. Is always fun uh, throughout the game and Arash Madani of Sportsnet's obviously, uh, uh, but it, it ended up well and all is dandy. But uh, it's been it's been really fun. It's definitely a culture shock. It does not feel like Canada. Um, on on the way uh, on out of the airport, uh, I got a taxi and they were bartering with among each other. With the, anyways, it was and the guy was drifting on my way back and uh, yeah, so it was it was fun. Um, but uh, I'm really excited that the tournament started, and it's been just an absolute joy to, to cover it for Raptors Republic. Well, you have uh, you have arrived, and uh, so has Canada on the world basketball stage. Um, you know, full disclosure, I'm in an extra good mood because I want to bet on Canada. They were underdogs <laughs> in this game. They were plus 105 were. dogs. Canada was minus 128. What were your expectations going into this game for France and the Canadian team? And how surprising is the result? Not necessarily that we won, but that Canada whooped them by thirty. I, I yeah, the thirty. No one, no one expected this. I, if whoever bet Canada plus like twenty on <laughs> is going to be a millionaire because that was not something. I, I there was a world where Canada would have won maybe comfortably by 10, 15 points. I thought that was that was possible. Uh, I was talking to a lot of French media and they felt very confident, which was. Interesting. I thought. Canadian did you see them after was, the game? Uh, I did, and uh, um, yeah. So I, I, I'll definitely uh, <laughs> give them a couple uh, dirty looks after uh, after this. But um, the French are a really good team. They're really strong. Um, they won the Olympic silver medal, and they almost beat the U.S. It was a really close game. They only lost by five. So this is no spring chicken, and to just blow them out of the building in that second half is. Uh, I'm I'm really speechless, so I'm sorry about this, Hus, because I just could not have seen a world where they won this way. Shea was absolutely no one played badly for Canada today. Uh, I'm a bit worried just be how they replicate this type of performance. Um, but for for fans of the team, this puts them in an amazing position to make the Olympics. It will still be a bit tough because of the side of their draw they're on. But uh, I think after this. Per, result they're going to make the quarterfinals and for me going into this tournament that was the barrier if they were to make the quarterfinals i felt really confident they'd make the olympics now i feel everyone all the media is thinking after this game does canada win the gold medal at this <laughs> tournament uh and after that i think that's definitely possible so um as to 
answer your question a bit, uh, I think France was a slightly favored just because of their experience and in, in, in international basketball. It's a short windows. Guys come together, and this team had never played together. And they did play better throughout the pre-tournament games, but uh, they didn't play any game that was anywhere near this dominant in any of the pre-tournament games. Um, so what a performance. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is just... I think he's the best player in this tournament after that performance. Uh, he was really pretty poor in the first half. He was 2 of 9. He had 8 points. But in the second half, he just made every shot. He made every right pa- uh, play pass. Um, made an acrobatic shot in the second quarter on when Canada was going on one of their runs. And the defense was amazing. They only gave up 8 points to, to France in that third quarter on their when they outscored them 25 to 8 and Shea outscored France in a quarter 15 to 8 which yeah. is <laughs> he um uh, like this was what 43 40 at halftime so very much mm-hmm. a game and um Canada just stepped up and left him in the dust basically in the third quarter starting with Shea's 15 points it wasn't the only one though I mean you saw Kelly Olynyk having a big impact and listen I know people love to hate on Dylan Brooks but we'll put a timeout on the hate of Brooks because he's wearing the Maple Leaf right now. And uh, listen, he was a big impact in that game as well. Did people hear the MVP chants on the call? Because he was getting MVP <laughs> chants at the free throw line. And I was just cackling. I, I, what is this? And then earlier in the game, he would get the ball and they started screaming for him. And then it sounded as though they were booing him too. It, I don't know what these fans are doing here. Uh, I was cheering the whole way, um, even though I'm technically a journalist, but uh, MVP chance for Dylan Brooks it might be my big takeaway after this game. He was phenomenal on defense, especially him and Lou Dort really hounded uh, the best players on, on France, especially the perimeter players, Daniel DiColo, um, Evan Fournier of the Knicks, uh, who were really good in the first half. M. Fournier had 18 points, and in the second half, they just hounded them. They're so athletic. They're such good perimeter defenders, both of those guys, and they just stepped it up at both ends at the same time. And I was talking about to, to people on, on shows and just writing about it that they had put really good quarters together on defense. They played really well offensively. They played great offensively against Germany in the second game, pretty poor in the uh, and really good uh, defensively against Spain but they weren't good offensively at those times or defensively and vice versa. So they really just brought it all together at the right time. And I felt, I, I'm not going to lie, and maybe I'm not saying I'm not Nostradamus, but at the halftime, I thought Canada was shooting 3 of 14 from 3. Shea was missing easy shots, and they were up 3. And I thought, the, you know, the law of large numbers will come back, and they'll make some shots. Now, I didn't think it would be 30, but I thought, oh, that's actually a good sign Right, it's it's like in hockey when your your goalie steals the first period, and then you're like, oh, we're only tied one one, or it's only zero zero going into the second. Oh, we're, we can kind of bounce back, and and that's really what I felt uh, Canada did, and that was a large part because of Kelly Olynyk, as you mentioned, who was really good in the first half. Yeah, um, Alex Adams, uh, Raptors Republic, uh, uh, with us from Indonesia to FIBA World Cup, um, thirty point win. Now, listen, they needed to get the win. That was the goal. But explain to us why this huge margin of victory against a world number five team is doubly important and beneficial to the Canadian team as they get ready for the Lebanese on the weekend. 
So uh, the big point, there's two ways to look at it. Just for the first for the group they're in right now, obviously they beat France, who was I don't I think those two were going to be one and two in this group no matter what. Latvia is a good team, but they're missing Porzingis. But so winning by thirty really means that they if they even lost by five points to Latvia, um, they'd be fine even if France were to beat them, um, unless France beats them by fifty. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. Um, and because France lost all these point differential in their first game, they'd have to win by 60, 70 points against Latvia and Lebanon. Um, so it's going to be really, they basically supplanted themselves as winning the group. Um, but winning the group isn't the same as in other tournaments because the way it works in this tournament is that the top two teams from this group go to this group L um, and they'd play probably, um, forget what group, I think it's group G, which is comprised of, Spain, who's the world number one, Brazil, who's a really good FIBA team. And so in that second group, um, basically it'll be four teams, the top two from each of the two groups, um, and the top two then make it to the quarters. The thing is, is that the point differential from all the games prior to um, is a tiebreaker. And so because Canada, only two of Spain, France, and Canada will make the quarters, there's a decent chance, let's say Canada now loses to Spain, right, in, in the second round. They just beat France by 30 points, so they'll have probably a better point differential than France will. Um, and we'll see with Spain, maybe if Spain were to lose to France. So it's just really important to have the point differential if there are any tiebreaker scenarios. And I think now it's going to be really hard for them not to make the quarterfinals. I really think unless they flip up against Latvia, I don't know how they do that after this performance. Um, and then if they can just beat one of Brazil or Spain, um, especially Brazil, who's a good team, they beat Australia. But uh, I just, you don't want to take too much from one game, but I'm going to take a bit too much from one game. And <laughs> Let's it, do it. it. I mean, hey, 30-point win. We'll take it. We'll, t- we'll enjoy it. Uh, now, I'm just looking over at Cuba. The Canadians are... 39 and a half point favorites against the Lebanese. Uh, yeah, we, won't, don't. we won't put that one in the bank already. You can get up early. It's 4.45 a.m. on Sunday if you want to catch that one. Um, but when's the Latvia game? Uh, and that obviously will presumably determine who moves on to round L and uh, the continued path to uh, hopefully the quarters and beyond. Yeah, um, I think Leb- Lebanon has the lowest odds of getting out of the group of any team in this tournament. So um, I think if you want to watch that game, it's just going to be a fun game and Canada will, will play well and, and probably dominate. Uh, it's like Canada playing, I don't know, Kazakhstan and the World Juniors or something. So have fun with it. Uh, it's an early morning. But with Latvia, they play um, them at same time, eight uh, or 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 in, in, in Manitoba a.m. On, on Tuesday. Uh, so... If they are to win the, these next two games, they're really going to be in a pole position to make the quarterfinals. Uh, they'd probably play Slovenia with Luka Doncic, Australia, and Germany, who I really like. And, and Australia has more NBA players in Canada. So it's really a tough, tough draw. And on the other side, there's Dominican Republic, who just beat Philippines, who's probably the main challenger to make the quarters. And then Canada would have to go a bit farther. So the Olympic berth is not sealed. The gold medal is not sealed. But man, oh man, it does feel as though this is a, just maybe the biggest moment in this program's history since making the Olympics in 2000. I really think that's the case for the men's program, that you beat the reigning Olympic medal, uh, silver medalists in that fashion with just the talent. And it just felt like a mismatch in that second half. It just felt like this is not 
two equal teams. And uh, France was one of the medal favorites. I was talking to the reporters. They said, we expect a medal. That's the, the bar. So uh, I don't know if they're going to get a medal now. I don't even know if they're going to make it to the quarters now after that loss. It's going to be really tough for them. But well, uh, what an amazing start for a Canadian team uh, again Sunday early against Lebanon and then the Latvia game on Tuesday morning. Uh, Canada's just getting going, and so are you out there. Folks, you can check out Raptors Republic for Alex's writing and reporting on this event. And uh, we appreciate you jumping on after the game today. I know it's the middle of the night there, but let's be in touch, and uh, hopefully after the Latvia game, we'll be able to connect and uh, see what the rest of the tournament holds for our Canadian team after this uh, incredible debut and upset of world number five, France, Alex, thanks for doing this and uh, enjoy your time out there. Thanks so much. Huss. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, you know, I love, I love Winnipeg. So it's always cool to, to talk to my, uh, my family and relatives. So uh, thanks again, uh, Huss for uh, having me on. All right. Good stuff. And big thanks to Alex and Jakarta for joining us. And of course, Canada plays Lebanon, early on Sunday morning, and then uh, Latvia, big game to finish up the first group stage on Tuesday, and uh, we'll connect back with Alex Adams in Indonesia for the latest on Team Canada's run at the FIBA World Cup coming up next week. The weekend is here, folks. Might I suggest a trip down to our friends at Little Brown Jug to stock up on Winnipeg's favorite local beer. they got that great deal on right now for the 2-4 with the dozen 1919s and the dozen generic lagers. Uh, saw plenty of generics out on the town last night being enjoyed at before and after the game. What a great addition to the Little Brown Jug lineup it has been. Um, of course, they got What's Golden on tomorrow. Great entertainment all day long, along with great food options from the Shorty's Kitchen during the day. And do not forget... Get your tickets now before they're gone. September 13th, Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. If you're watching on YouTube, in the description of this video is the link to get tickets. And if you're listening on the podcast, just simply go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Link up at the top. Count yourself in before it's gone. Before they're gone. Great response to... Uh, to our Sports Talk Trivia Night, and uh, looking forward to seeing you all there for that as well. Big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake. Maybe some of you are going to put a line in the water this weekend, do a little fishing. If you're thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing opportunity for 2024, booking now well into 2024 over at Aikens Lake, where just had the uh, weekend of the year a few weeks ago when we were out there. Uh, find out more online at AikensLake.com about the Aikens experience and availability for 2024 today. And of course, the Cineboy Downs is back at it on Monday. Remus is away, but we'll still have the picks and uh, another few weeks of live racing before that's it for another season. Get out while you can. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, post time, 7.30 p.m. All right, let's... Uh, it's not Friday without marbles, and it's not Friday without a visit from Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Get to the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, to make you the smartest person when it comes to sports around. Saw, what's going on? Hey, before we uh, dive into the NFL notebook, uh, when we spoke last week, there was a hurricane coming your way. How uh, How is the week in, uh, in in your part of the world? We battened down the hatches for sure, but it never got here. We got we got steady rain for like 12 hours, but it was only 2.6 inches. They had been projecting five inches of rain where I live north of San Diego, and the winds never came. And 
again, you're talking to a guy who grew up in hurricane country out in eastern Long Island. So, I mean, I had everything. I had buckets. I had tarps. I had I was really concerned about tree limbs blowing down on my house and things. The wind never got here. We got through it. Other parts of San Diego County got soaked really bad north of L.A. and uh, real tough. Hey, listen, before we start on the NFL, trivia contest, smart guy, you put this topic on the table, so I will challenge you from this side of the border. Uh-oh, here we Please. go. Oh, yes, you bit off more than you can chew. Can you tell me who was the NHL goaltender back in the day whose name was the Shakutami Cucumber? The Shakutami Cucumber. Um... Oh, Gilles Gratton? Did I stump the stoop? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not know the Shakuti Cucumber, but I'm big on nicknames. Enlighten us, Hacksaw. Georges Vezina, Quebec. After really? Whom they named the trophy after. The Vezina Trophy, absolutely. That much we did, 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 didn't know. Jeez. I know my hockey. And how about you? A fountain a of information. Well, you're, maybe you're we'll a Canadian, pl- and you just got beat from a guy across the border from San Diego. <laughs> it's cherry picking, Lee. It's cherry packs. picking. We will. I, in all honesty, though, I should consult with you when putting together some of these questions. You would be an incredible resource for when we try and stump everyone on our uh, on our uh, on our evening. Hey, speaking of stumping people, um. Are we in just a straight-up standoff right now between Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs? I'll be honest. I thought this would have been done already, uh, and it seems like it's actually getting a little more contentious, and Jones now apparently threatening to uh, be out until week eight. What's the latest? Well, I thought it would have been done too, but the price tags on these players, Andrew, just continues to go up and up. And the last defensive tackle got $23 million. The guy before that got 22. Chris Jones says, hey, I should be the number two paid guy behind Aaron Donald. Donald's number is now 32 mil. Chris Jones wants 25 to 28 mil on a mega long contract term, I think, is the big issue because of the injury factor in the NFL. And I think that's why some teams are not willing to do it. But money must not mean very much to him because we just configured if he misses the first eight games of the season, which he legally can. As long as he plays eight games back after the schedule, this counts as his final contract year. Now, he would never hold out for the whole season because the contract would then toll. He'd still owe Kansas City another year next season. So he sits eight. If he sits eight games, he forfeits $7.5 million in salary game checks. He's already forfeited $2.2 million because he gets fined 50000 for every day he's out of camp because he's under contract. But money must be no object. He evidently is willing to maybe give up a total of nine and a half million dollars so he can get 25 million on a guaranteed deal. Uh, If he's not there to start the season, then Kansas City's defense is not quite the same. And if I I think it'd be foolhardy to sit out an entire half season. But that's the rhetoric that's coming out of his camp right now. And, you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have a high payroll and the Chiefs have a lot of stars and that quarterback makes a ton and that tight end makes a ton. And Chris Jones wants to be paid to be the number two guy at his position. So, I don't know, they got 10 days to sort this out, but this is just not a good picture for Andy Reid. And Andy Reid is really standoffish. He says, I'll treat him like it's an injured player, next man up. Well, there's not another Chris Jones that's going to be the next man up for them defensively. No, that is for sure. Um, uh, What are the other big holdouts that you're paying attention to around the league as we uh, get into, uh, you know, the countdown to kickoff two weeks from now? 
Well, I think the other big storyline is what's happened in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor. And Jim Irsay's public comments kind of threw gasoline on this fire. <laughs> the fact that Taylor left camp a couple times and then the agent asked for permission to talk to another team or teams about a trade. Irsay said, go at it. Uh, they got a deadline of Tuesday. He's given uh, John Taylor's agent till next Tuesday to make a determination whether there's a trade out there. You know, his problem is he's been tremendously productive. He's outplayed the contract at $4.5 million. He owes them one year, but he's also coming off ankle surgery, and prior to that, had a back injury. But this guy, this guy has 4,800 all-purpose yards in four seasons, or actually three and a half seasons. He's a hell of a player. Uh, Indianapolis wants a number one draft pick, if not more, for the deal. So I guess if you're Miami, if you're Denver, if you're Dallas, those are three of the six that have made offers. The question is, are you going to trade a number one for Taylor? Are you taking the risk that Taylor will be a one-year rental, or can you sign him to a mega extension? And then do you hope he doesn't get hurt again because he had a significant ankle surgery procedure? So the guy's bidding on him. There's a bit of an issue there as to the price tag it's going to take. But Jim Irsay has not helped himself by his just standoffish attitude towards the player. You're mine. You owe me a year, et cetera. Uh, other situations. Uh, the other holdout at running back is Josh Jacobs, Raiders. And there's a big gray area as to what's fact and what's fiction. He reportedly was coming in this week. He never showed up. Uh, he has no leverage at all. Either he signs the one-year tender at one year at $10 million, or he sits the year and loses a whole year of salary and could get franchise tag again next season. The Raiders denied a report out of Indy that they made a call and said, we'll take John Taylor, you take Josh Jacobs. Uh, they denied they tried to trade the guy, but he's not in camp. And so this franchise tag thing is looming over him. I can't believe that the Raiders would think they could start the season with a question mark in Jimmy Garoppolo's health and no running back. Uh, it'd be like Devontae Adams against the world at wide receiver. I, I think that's a strange one. And the other story is what just happened in San Francisco with Trey Lance. Uh, demoted to third string, has played really poorly in preseason, has played poorly in practices. And they, they traded three number one picks to get the chance to draft him just a couple of years ago. And he's hardly played in the NFL because he's had two different injuries in two seasons. And when he's played, he hasn't been real dominant. And all of a sudden, Brock Purdy took over, and then they signed the insurance policy in Sam Darnold, and he's won the backup job. I don't know what they're going to do with Trey Lance, but I'll tell you, John Lynch, the general manager, who's done a good job stockpiling talent, if this doesn't work out, this is a catastrophic mistake. You're going to, if, if you have a third-string quarterback that you can't trade, and you traded three number ones to get Trey Lance, I think you've created real trouble for your coach and for your roster. So I don't know how they're going to sort this out because I don't think anybody's going to give him a number one, much less multiple number ones for the guy that they drafted and never really got a chance to play very much. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's one of those situations where you know he came out, had a little bit of an opportunity, didn't do much, got hurt. The guy they picked as Mr. Irrelevant at the end of the seventh round ended up being a very, very reliable quarterback. And you got a guy that was a number three overall pick in Darnold that they think is set up to be the number two. I hope he gets a chance to go and show what he can do um, because he's a great athlete. I mean, he, of course, played just down the highway from us down at NDSU. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to be happening in San Francisco. And John Lynch, to your point, Lee, I think is very lucky 
that they've done so well in so many other aspects of acquiring talent and acquiring picks because you're exactly right. I mean, to whiff on a risk of that level normally puts back franchises, you know, can put you back years. Um, maybe they're just fortunate that this Purdy pick turned out so well, at least on the surface, um, because they're still in a very good spot and will be very competitive. And I think that's why they say, we don't have time for a project like Trey Lance. We've got the guys, and this is who we're going to roll with. Well, I, there's two other items in this conversation. One, they gave him third player money. That's a significant payday, and there's a big cap hit involved if you trade him. Mm-hmm. You can't release him. The other factor is the injury factor. Look at the number of quarterbacks in San Francisco who have been badly hurt. Why not just keep them, crash course them, work really hard to develop them? Because there's no certainty that Brock Purdy's elbow is going to hold up. There's no certainty that one of those guys or two of those guys might not get injured. Then you still got Trey Lance. I, if I were king, I would keep him and I would coach him really hard and just try to fast forward him. He's hardly had a chance to play. And to reference North Dakota State, this is North Dakota State on your map. This is the NFL here on the globe. You know how far North Dakota State is from the National Football League? It takes time. You know, we can't all be Carson Wentz or Ben Roethlisberger coming from North Dakota State or Miami of Ohio and having some success. Well, it he basically only up. played a year, too. I mean, he had one game in the COVID yep. year and had one season. And then, obviously, they liked what they saw and they picked him, but it hasn't turned out to do so well. couple teams with new head coaches with plenty of turmoil around them. I think we completely expected that the Arizona Cardinals would be amongst the worst teams in the league, and they're well on their way, it seems, Lee. And fill us in on that situation. Of course, what Sean Payton's dealing with in Denver. Well, the Arizona storyline is strange because as we had breakfast this morning, a week left in the preseason, Arizona's got five quarterbacks on their roster because they just traded for the journeyman backup, Josh Dobbs, who's proven he can play a little bit, but he's never, ever really been a starter. Uh, They don't have Kyler Murray, and he's not going to be there for maybe eight more weeks till the start of the season. He'll definitely start the season on PUP, which means he's gone four to eight. They just traded a number one pick, Isaiah Simmons, who was a linebacker safety, number one pick. All they got for him was a seventh-round pick, and he was one of their starters and a a fairly decent player on defense, and they traded a number two pick, tackle Josh Jones. They dealt him to Houston. All they got for him was a fifth-round pick. Um, I just don't understand the methodology of what they're doing. I I don't think I've seen an NFL team tank before the season even started. And that's what they're doing. I, I think this is going to be a horrid season uh, for Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, you mentioned Denver. Uh, everybody was excited, uh, and rightfully so, with Sean Payton's arrival and the reconstruction of Russell Wilson. <coughs> But you can't play in the NFL if you don't have any wide receivers. They have no law. They have now lost three of their top four wide receivers with significant injuries. The only guy they've got that's got experience is Cortland uh, Sutton, and he's had a history of injuries. They just lost Jerry Judy, and he could be gone four weeks with a hamstring, and he was their big play down the field guy. They lost Tim Patrick, ruptured Achilles. He averaged 14 yards a catch last year. He's gone for the season. They just lost Julian Vigil, another young wide receiver, been impressive with camp. He's gone on IR, gone for the year with a knee injury. So, John Payton, he's got one wide receiver with any any experience. And his running back, Javante Williams, 
has not played yet, and he, of course, has recovered from re reconstructive surgery. But there's probably a lot of rust they're going to have to knock off before he'll be what he was before he went down at the end of last season with a bad knee injury. So as much excitement as Sean Payton's arrival has generated, Sean Payton's got to have players to be able to sing this song, and right now he's missing a whole bunch. Uh, Lee, just quickly before we go, what's up with Baker Mayfield? Sounds like he's going to be starting for the Bucks. What's happening off the field? Oh, big issue. You know, these players invest a lot of their money in signing bonuses with investment companies and firms, and a bunch of times they work out, and on the odd occasion it turns out to be a swindle or a grift or something really bad. He is suing an investment firm in Cleveland, an investment firm run by his father, James. He wants accounting for $12 million of bonus money and salary money that he gave to this investment firm run by his father. It's not some guy in the middle of the night, some drinking buddy from his college days in Oklahoma. This is quite a story. Sue and his father, $12 million missing money, and there's been no accounting. They've tried, his lawyers have tried to get accounting and paperwork as to where have these funds gone to. What an ugly, ugly story that is. So that's weighs heavily on his mind, and the fact now he's a starting quarterback of a Tampa Bay team, it's obviously kind of moved into rebuild mode. Yeah, that is uh, that is brutal. Hey, shout out to Curtis Perkins and Rob Kane spreading the love in the chat with the gifted memberships. Thanks a lot, guys. Make sure you do, uh, all you new members give the boys uh, give the boys a thanks. Um, Lee, I, I know you've got a lot on the site right now and the pod. Fill people in on uh, what's cooking at LeeHacksawHamilton.com and on your growing multimedia empire. I'm like you, <laughs> although I look a little better than you. Um, we write every day on a website. If you're in Winnipeg, if you're in Manitoba, across Canada, check my website out. You can subscribe. It's absolutely free. Hustler, there's hardly anything in the world that's free anymore except your show and my show. Certainly not that but, that's uh, that good. Yeah, check my website. I write on it every day. If you check it every morning, you'll get stories you probably won't get anywhere else. And on the right-hand side of my homepage there, uh, you got my podcast. Uh, we do something really creative stuff with video. Not quite as good as what you're doing, but... We will catch you up, and maybe you'll be in my rearview mirror. It's all your fault. You introduced me to this, but uh, we're having a blast. We're doing a ton of stuff. We do uh, two podcasts a week, plus I write on my website every day. For a guy that's not working, I'm sure working a lot. <laughs> the hardest working man that's, uh, that's quote-unquote not working. Have a great weekend, Lee. Can't wait to uh, get to the season, and can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Hustle. Talk to you soon. Be well. Right on. There is the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. All right. Marbles registration is open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. We're going to take a quick roll out to the ballpark. Get ready for uh, the final weekend of gold eye season. And then we'll drop the marbles in just a few minutes. But uh, for Bree our friends at Breezy Bend, let's do a quick look at the uh, leaderboards around golf. Of course, paying close attention to what's happening with uh, our friends at the, uh, the Manitobans. Here at the uh, Manitoba Open, Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend, one under right now, playing on the 15th hole, even for the day. Right now, the projected cut line is minus two. That's where Travis Fredberg is. He's got a 240 tee time. I believe he's probably playing with Morgan Barron. The Winnipeg Jet winger shot an 80 yesterday and will be going off at 2.40 p.m. this afternoon. And... Uh, uh, looks like Brooke Henderson's having a bit better round today. She had a real tough opening round at it's, uh, it's, uh, Shaughnessy yesterday, uh, but she's up to even uh, a little earlier today. We'll pay attention to that. 
And of course, it is the Tour Championship. And Colin Morcala had that crazy 61 yesterday. And he's back on top right now. Wouldn't that be something if he came from like literally nine shots back to start to win? Morikawa's at 13 under. Scotty Scheffler's at 12. John Rahm, Vic Hovland, Keegan Bradley at 11. And Xander Shoffley at nine. Remember, the winner of this tournament gets $8 million plus the $10 million bonus. $18 million U.S. is the winner's prize. Second is six and a half mil. Uh, it's the richest tournament on the PGA Tour, but a lot at stake. Should be a real fun tourney heading up into Sunday. Of course, our golf reports are brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend. Get to breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson a call about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season at one of Manitoba's top private courses and the home of WST. All right, exclamation mark marbles. We'll get to that in just a couple minutes, but first let's head for a quick trip out to the ballpark and get ready for Gold Eyes Fan Appreciation Weekend with a big one tonight. Andrew, what is going on? How's it going, my man? Uh, it's good. Last night was a little interesting. Um, yeah, feel bad for the people that live in the north part of the city. They got they got crushed, and that system just missed us. We got a little bit of it. We had to put the tarp on. Um, but nothing like what happened in North Winnipeg. Yeah, I think everyone, whether you were at the ballpark or whether you're down at the Bomber game, you're looking at your phone. Well, it started off quite ominously when the uh, the tornado warnings cut into the radio if you were driving around yesterday. That was from north of the city, but that was a monster supercell. And uh, depending on where you were, you got different degrees of it, but uh, it was a nice night to play ball. And, It'll be a nice weekend coming up with fan appreciation night. And, uh, you know, it, the, the final weekend of the season is always big for the organization, regardless of how the regular season has gone on the field. Yeah, for sure. Tonight we're, we'll be over 6,000 tonight, which is, which is awesome. And uh, I, I put out on Twitter today, the link to get tickets. If you can get them in advance, don't stand in that line outside of the ticket office get them in advance and, and then you can just walk in and enjoy the whole game instead of missing the first inning or two. But uh, tonight's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun fireworks after the game, player cards to the first 500 fans in attendance. Well, and, and uh, to be honest, this probably will be the best fireworks game of the year because it'll probably be a little darker than it's been. I mean, with the quick games, the pitch clock, the six thirty starts, like you said earlier on, there's been a couple fireworks games that, it's pretty darn light outside right now. I have a feeling that won't be the case, but um, a hell of a way to uh, finish off with your friends at Archangel who always do such a great job of blowing stuff up after the game. They do. They do a great job every time, and they did a great job with the pyro for Reggie's night to unveil his number. Yeah, we have a, a year-end meeting where we plan for the next season. I think item number one is 7 or 7.30 starts for fireworks nights next year that's number one on the list to discuss for next year um good call you know what listen obviously it hasn't gone um swimmingly all season for uh, for the team i mean it has been a bit of a struggle at times but as we finish up this season uh at least the home portion of it and there's still plenty of games left i we got to talk about max murphy I mean, we just celebrated the great reggie abercrombie and what he's done but max year after year is sort of putting his name, in my opinion, into the conversation with some of the best that have ever worn a gold-eyed jersey. And, I mean, to think of what led 
into this season, what he dealt with in the offseason to be the leader in home runs with 26, to be uh, hitting 290, to having the season. I mean, he he continues to write a, a story um, that puts him in a in a pretty rare spot in Goldeye's history. For sure. His his next home run will be his 100th in the American Association. He had a couple of years in St. Paul uh, where he put up some numbers, but, but the last couple of years – the numbers are incredible. And like we, we talked about earlier, to do what he's doing this year, after that injury last year, like he could have easily said, you know what, I'm good. I'm done. I had, had a great career. But no, he wanted to come back, worked really hard in the offseason. And to be leading in home runs and second in RBI, it's just it says a lot about him and, and what he means to this team and, and just – how hard he works and what a competitor he is. Um, you know, and, uh, Max, you know, he kind of, you have to start with Max, but uh, Dason Crows as well. I mean, what a great rookie season. I mean, uh, you know, there are some bright spots with this campaign and uh, he, I'm sure would be right up near the top of the list. Yeah. It's going to go right down to the wire to see if he can win that batting title. He's battling with uh, Brian Torres from Milwaukee hitting 364 as a rookie at, Pure rookie, never played a pro game before this year, coming right out of uh, Quincy University. To with, with all the great hitters in this league, a lot of guys with major league experience, double-A, triple-A, kid right out of college to hit 364 this year and play a great third base, play every day. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, as far as this weekend goes, and we talked about tonight, the final fireworks night, fan appreciation, do have games on Saturday, and a special end of the home schedule on Sunday with a chance for uh, players, families, kids to come out and uh, meet the fish as well. Just fill us in on uh, what is on tap for Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. Um, foam fingers for the first thousand uh, from our sponsor in vigor that Love night. It. Uh, and then Sunday is our last game, handing out team photos to everybody in attendance and then pregame autograph session on the field. Everybody can go out to left field and get autographs from their favorite players and have a chat with them, get their photos taken. It's always it's always a great day. Um, you know, and in addition to a great end to the uh, regular season this weekend, I think looking back, and obviously yeah, we've been out to a ton of games this year. I mean, there's always so much fun. I, I, and this is just my observation. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it does seem like, the, there's continued momentum going forward coming out of the pandemic. Uh, it certainly seems like the crowds have been better, more butts in seats, um, some really big crowds this year as well for some of the special games. I mean, overall, from a, from a business standpoint, um, how's the regular season gone in your eyes, Andrew? I would say we're getting close to where I'd like to be, where we'd like to be. Uh, 2021 was was a struggle playing in Jackson for the first part. Coming home, we couldn't sell any groups, uh, so that was tough. 2022 is still a little bit tough selling groups because up until March of that year, you still couldn't have large gatherings, and then we found out we could. Uh, this year, our group sales have been excellent. Um, shout out to all the people in our office that are hitting the phones and the emails, selling those group tickets. It's been great. And like we talked off air, the the butts in seats percentage has gone up dramatically between last year and this year. Um, So it's great to sell tickets, but you actually want the people to come 
and and make the experience better. So this year, that number has has climbed uh, back to where it was in 2019. Well, uh, you know, listen, I mean, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Gold Ice Baseball is synonymous with summer in Winnipeg. Um, and of course, there's the boys of summer that are playing. But a big thanks to you. I mean, it's been so much fun working with you and your team throughout the year. And, and I have to give a shout out to the amazing staff that you guys have, you know, with Will and the guys in the ticket office, the people that are taking the tickets, fan services, all of the great concession people there. Brett, my guy, the beer man and the rest of the service. I mean, it really is a uh, and so many of the people come back year after year. Um, it is a special feeling around the ballpark, and it does seem like we are really back and uh, um, already looking forward to it uh, to next season. But uh, first, uh, hopefully uh, finish off this home schedule with a bang this weekend. Yeah, for sure. It'd be nice to uh, nice to get a couple wins here going before we go on the road. But I think you said it best. The staff here are amazing and I'm proud to work with them every day. And they do such a good job to make everybody feel welcome, entertained, make people feel like they got their money's worth when they leave the ballpark. Um, so yeah, shout out to everybody that works at the ballpark, full-time, part-time concessionaires. Um, yeah. Done uh, an amazing job again this year. And of course the fans as well. And tonight it's all about the fans fan appreciation tonight, six 30 uh, tomorrow, 6 PM. And then the final home game of the regular season, Sunday afternoon at one with the uh, meet the team event after the game. Andrew, thanks for everything. Good luck this weekend. And uh, we will get out to breezy in a week or so. Once things kind of quiet down for your season. Yeah. You let me know. I'll be available. All right, good luck to the fish, and maybe we'll see you all out at the uh, ballpark tonight. Again, fireworks, fan appreciation night tonight. And then uh, final home game of the regular season is Sunday afternoon before the team hits the road. Uh, all right, last call for marbles, everybody. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. Uh, let's get to 200 likes, though, please. Uh, can we get some thumbs up? We've got 314 waiting for the marble race, and only 175 have given us the thumbs up. Help the boys outspread the channel if you would be so kind. And again, make sure you're eligible to win the prize, which is, of course, our WST hoodie brought to you by our friends at Shipman Associates. Got to be subscribed to win. So hit that red subscribe button if for whatever reason you have neglected doing so yet. All right, before we get to the marbles, a quick look at the cool bet lines. Tonight in the Canadian Football League, We've got the Stamps and the Argos going at it. This line hasn't moved all week long. Argos 10-point favorites against the Calgary Stampeders. I'm sort of surprised that the line hasn't moved on this BC-Hamilton game. We joked on the lock shop yesterday how big the number would have to be to consider taking the Ticats. And it's probably closer to 20 than it is 10. Um, and, of course, the uh, Elks now favored by one over the Red Blacks, will they get the long-awaited first home win as the Elks on the weekend? I actually think they do. Check out the Cool Bet exclusives. The Lock Shop Partner Parlay is up. We've hit a few bangers in the past month on this one. We had the golf last week, CFL the week before. This is what we're looking at today, folks. We got the Stamps plus 10.5. We've got BC minus 10.5. We've got the Elks to win. Plus 655. Get on it before kickoff tonight. 
between the Stamps and the Toronto Argonauts. And, of course, the Toronto Blue Jays are back in action tonight. They are at home to the Cleveland Guardians. Bassett on the hill. Jays a minus 154 favorite. And uh, check out the CoolBet uh, stream uh, socials as well for my play of the day. We'll fire that out a little bit later on this afternoon. Thinking on leading to a player prop in the Yankees-Rays game. Um, all the NFL futures are up. NFL preseason as well. Tour championship. Great time to play a cool bet if you haven't before because you'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Perfect for the start of NFL season. Um, so get on over there again. The promo code is WST. All right, Reem. Um, it is just about time to drop the marbles and officially start the weekend. Yeah, it is. Hold on. I'm just responding to uh, people in the chat, but we've got a lot of entries uh, in here. We've got 202. We just did, so I'll, I'll close in now. Beautiful. Thank you, everyone, we'll for, uh, for, the, uh, for the thumbs up. That's very nice of you. We appreciate it. Well, it went to 200, and now it's at 199. <laughs> With the likes or the subs? <laughs> there we go, 200. Got to love it. Got to love it. Yeah, and shout out. I know you said it, but shout out to Curtis and... Um, and Rob Kane. Yeah, and Rob Kane for the gifted memberships. That's pretty awesome. So uh, appreciate the Rob support. Rob Kane, known around city for gifted memberships and gifted Jagger shots as well, if you uh, bump into him at the right time. Maybe we'll see you later on tonight, Robbie. Um, all right, let's do it. You know, we, well, let's get to um, Tristan Rivers' music to intro today's Marble Race, Remo. Um, dealer's choice for whichever theme you would like, but uh, we can't do a Marble Race without the Marbles theme from one Tristan Rivers. Man, so many good themes to pick. What am I going to go with? Oh, I'll do this one. This one. I feel like this is a nice summer one. Are you ready? Oh, we're ready. That's how we do it. Tristan Rivers, that's actually one of my favorite of his many versions of the Marbles theme song. Um, but now it's time to go. Uh, are we going to add any Marbles? I know people are saying Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk, but uh, I mean, I think we've sort of talked about their yeah. passing. It would, it's a little bit of a downer if someone that's just passed away wins the Marble race. I think there's a thing in the chat where they want the latest like celebrity death in the Marble race every time, and I don't know. I don't know if we want to get into doing that, deciding like which yeah. is worthy of a marble or not. We mentioned it. Um, it was incredibly sad. Um, so 
we do have 202 entries from the chat in the marble race, though. And I will say this with the Blink-182 theme. It reminds me of summer, you know? I know summer's coming to an end. I always think of, like, the American Pie movies when I hear Blink-182. <laughs> when I hear, like, Blink-182 <laughs> and that kind of music. People said Sum 41, very similar stuff. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, get in. Who did we, uh, do we want to put it? I'll tell you what, though. Let's give Alex Adams. He's been kind enough to be joining us mm-hmm. at, like, midnight or 1 in the morning in Indonesia. Yeah. So he should definitely get a marble. Um, we'll any standouts? Any standout from last night? Oh, let's give Jackson Jeffcoat one. Sure, I like. He got, it, yeah. he got the game ball. He got the he got the game ball and Brady Oliveira. Those were our two game balls, and again the fans. But the fans are all part of the chat that are in there. So Brady and Jackson Jeffcoat. Um, and I think uh, I think that should be good. Yeah, I think that's. I'm good with those. Donald Trump's mugshot deserves a marble. No, we listen. We're not going. We're not even dipping our toes, man, into anything to do with that. The people get too crazy. The stuff people are getting into in the chat today. The chikudami cucumber. What a question that was from Lee. Yeah, you got you there, hey. Oh, Doug Phil, good call. Let's give one. Just put in SGA. Shea Gilgis Alexander leading us to victory today against France. Yeah, that's it. SGA, which is an awesome little acronym for uh, for his name. Um, all right, so uh, what are we, we got? Two hundred five, two hundred six, or whatever, with our added marbles. And uh, what are we? Uh, where are we going today? This is another new track. I think this is the last one of the new tracks that Remus tested out that we haven't oh, done yet. No, it's endless. I'm really looking. There's endless to new tracks. There's endless. From I know just of the ones that we had of the group that oh, we were choosing. Okay, from. so we got a couple more that I have looked up. Uh, is it true the winner of the marble race gets to golf 18 with hustler i haven't done many 18s this year but we definitely we definitely could make that happen we're overdue royal sports for a round i'll tell you that much let's make that happen yeah. oh a couple other shout outs shane badger says zach white cloud stanley cup slurpee needs, needs one. <laughs> that was great that was great that that's definitely worthy of a, uh, of a shoot. Um, so we got a couple. I'll like throw these titles at you. We have almost ancient adventure, ooh, and twisted exhilarating pathway. I tested them. I mean, do you have? A, have you tested them? I Why don't, don't you, know. Uh... I don't remember them. I tested them a while ago. Interesting. It could be disc golf. Yes. Shout out to all the uh, bangers of chains out there. And if you haven't done it, I suggest you try it. A lot of fun. Great disc golf gear available over at Royal Sports, along with that Bauer Hype Fest today. Go check it out. I'll try this Um, almost at Ancient Adventure. Sure, sure. sure. Sounds like a little old school marble track. So let's get it up. And you know what? I guess I should say this. We just assume that everyone's here all the time. If... This is your first marble race, folks. This is how we finish up the week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We go a little long on Friday. We have some fun. Uh, and uh, everyone that has put in exclamation mark marbles is in the uh, in the race. You'll know what we're talking about when we get going. And uh, the uh, first place winner, we've got a hoodie for you. A WST hoodie from our, our pals over at, uh, at Shipham. All right, this looks wild. Uh, brand new, brand new track. The almost ancient adventure. Shout out to the Rayleys for creating this one. 
Uh, we got 206, Remo, and uh, this is, I've got a sort of a different view on this one, but uh, are we ready to go? We are all set. Okay, well, folks, uh, a heck of a, heck of a night last night. Great start to the weekend, but the weekend isn't officially on until the marbles are dropped on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's go, Remus. Here we go. The almost ancient adventure. I will say this. This is the first time I think we've ever seen a start like this. Getting down into a funnel. Who will get down first? See Let's what we got see. going on here. Okay. Oh. This is a wild one. This is a wild one and one that um it's a lot of torque with the uh with the start. No one is coming down first. All right, we're just starting to see. And it looks like it's Dale. Dale Barazuk and Royster getting out of it first, but a very, very busy crew. A big group. Royster, Andrew Haleka, Kyle Kearney's in the mix. There's Derek. Brass Bonanza <laughs> looking quite good. Well, Royal Sports was in the mix there, but right now it looks like it's Dale. Or sorry, Der yeah, Derek Brass Bonanza and Dale Barazuk. Ooh. Big shot there into another funnel. Oh, we are uh, losing a few marbles. I see some, uh, yeah, Sean Clark, Tony Dean thrown over the top rope. Dale is still in first. Derek just got thrown oh, over the top rope for no, an elimination. No, Derek got launched no, forward. No, he didn't. He got launched forward. Okay, Derek is in the lead right now. Will he get stuck or will he take Derek. advantage of his very fortuitous luck? I was like, Looks like people are sort of catching. Oh, Ryan Kiernicki, what a transition. What a transition by Ryan. Although he's getting caught up right now. Ken 007 with an incredible move. And Ken is in first place right now. We've got Jeff Doran. This is a hell of a race. There's been all sorts of lead changes so far. Ken 007, though, negotiating that one quite well. Jeff, oh, and Brady Oliveira bulldozing his way into the mix. Brady. <laughs> now Chris, Chris Wolgamuth in the mix. Brady, Dale Barazuk. This is going to be wild. Oh, Derek Schmidt just got thrown over the top rope. Looks like Chris. Well, who's going to get into uh, into this hole first? Okay, Dale Barazuk. It looks like Dale, but Ken is coming in. Who's going to get first on first? Ogie Oglethorpe. Ken 007. And it's Ken at the buzzer. Just nicks out Dale, the Terminator, Ogle Oglethorpe, Ali G, Mo Trucka, Greg V, Jeff Bose, John Elliott, and Josh Conway. The top 10. Uh, Ken 007. Well done. And Remus, what a great track. That was uh that's definitely a keeper. This yes, I believe me, I've tested. I'm looking for tracks that you can actually see. I'm looking for tracks that don't have like warp things that screw it all up. So uh, this fit all my criteria when I'm when I did my track research. 
I'm going to have to do another round. We got one more of these and then I'll go find, dig up some new ones. That is uh that is a thing of beauty. All right. Whereas we wait for everyone else to uh, pop in and we will see that was super close. Like it's definitely less than a second between Ken and Dale at the top. Ken 007, send us an email at uh, Winnipeg sports talk at gmail.com. Let me know your size. And uh, at some point next week, maybe you can come by and pick up your exclusive WST hoodie, our version of the Masters Green Jacket. Winners only. Winners only for these beauties. Uh, Leanne M., geez, all that time just to get thrown over the top rope right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smoly. Acid wash. Waiters. Waiters really taking a sweet time today. Dustin Dustington loitering as well. David Zirk and, and the wild thing. Camp Thang. Cam, anytime you want to join us down at the bottom. Uh-oh, Cam. If you don't get picked up, you're going to get burnt, and you just got burnt. There it is. Ken007. Let's see these final results, Reem. And again, excellent, excellent choice for the Rayleigh's almost ancient inventor. Okay, well, actually, it was a little bit more than a second. Ken at 249.6. And Dale Barazukin at 251.1. Derminator, Ogie Oglethorpe, Mike G, Motrucka, Greg, Jeff Bose, John Elliott, John Conway, top 10. Oh, Maul got in at 11. Yin Vivian at 12. Phyllis, a lot of the regulars. There's Dan Jets fan. Rob Kane, nice performance, Rob. Top 20. Keep, we'll go roll down so everyone can check out where they finished. Turt Ferguson. Here's my guy, Mike Wynn. Have a great weekend, Windog. It's your boy, Bruce. Top 40. Brady Oliveira. I don't know how Brady finished 45th. He was like in, basically in the lead towards the end. Oh, the GFL. Sean Lishka as well. All right, there's Ross Ransby at 59. Did Ross beat Bozeman? The great, the great battle between the two with a little side wager each and every day. We saw Ross at 59. I'm still, there and there's Bozeman. There's Bozeman at 129. Solid victory for Ross in the head-to-head matchup today. There's the rounding man, Kabilis, Dark Moon. Craig Smith's been here all week. What's up, Craig? How about that game last night? <clears throat> we can continue to come down. Shea Gilgis Alexander at 168. And uh, David Zirk, the last one. Cam Thang, yes, did get burnt. Because he was a little too tardy. Um, excellent race, excellent track, an excellent week. We'll have to figure out. We may have to take a week off of marbles next week because Remus is away. Although I can't remember whether we did it with Jeremy last year. Anyways, we'll work on that next week. But, Remo, have a great week off. Very well deserved. Uh, I will hold it down. Our buddy Jer is going to be doing the producing of the program. And... A new member, uh, sort of a, a pseudo member of the WST team, going to hang out next week. So I'll be opening the show with Joey Slattery. That's right. Joey Slats coming on on Monday and uh, hopefully throughout the week. We'll chop it up with him as I normally do with Remus at the start of the show before we bring in the guests. But uh, it's going to be up. What's uh, what's up for the weekend? I know you're going to do a bit of lake later on. Uh, hang on. Let me guess. Do you have a zoo appointment already, Reem? Uh, we're getting ready. We're going out to the lake uh, next week. 
Um, I don't know if we have a zoo appointment. It hasn't been discussed. I don't even know what the weather is. So uh, we'll see if we can fit it in. It would be tomorrow. Jay Remo, that is right. He will be back next week. <laughs> It'll be good. Mary Jane, we love you. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, Hassan Reem and everyone. Always love the positive vibes of Mary Jane. Um, all right, gang. Well, that's going to do it. Again, get those tickets for Sports Trivia Night before they're full. I don't want to unfortunately have to turn anybody away in the description of the show on YouTube or go to winnipegsportstalk.com. It's at the top of the page. And uh, that's going to do it for us. As I mentioned, Remo's going to take a week. I'll be back on Monday. Jay Remo will be controlling the show Joey Slattery will join me, expecting to have Jeff Hamilton on Monday as well. And next week's going to be Fantasy Football Week. I'm going to try and have a guest every day to get us ready for NFL drafts and NFL season, in addition to all the other Winnipeg-based content that you count on here on WST. Folks, have a great weekend, and what a way to start it last night with that big bomber win. We'll see you on Monday, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a good one, y'all. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.